0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Charming Hot Anime Memories, apparently, because Kelsey said it in the episode, and now I gotta do it. Under the altar where the steamboats
1: Inchigabas and wallos Come at the grand life making a stand The smell of death is on the red not when
0: the cold wind blows. no one cares, Hello, my name is Chris.
2: My name is Kelsey. And this is... Eileen.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like The Rotting Corpses, That They Are. And this week, it's... Pop Fra- Hysteria Week, Fractured Identities. Fractured Identities Week, sure, on Pod yes. Cemetery with our classic film 1997's Perfect Blue and 2010's Black Swan as our modern film. And as you have heard, we have a guest. Eileen, introduce yourself.
3: Hello, I am Eileen, once more. <laughs> <laughs> Not really sure what else to say.
2: Well, <laughs> tell our audience how you feel about horror in general.
3: So I'm actually not a big horror fan. I uh-huh. enjoy them occasionally, but I scare very easily. So only within the past decade of my adulthood have I really dived into horror a little bit more. But I generally go with like the psychological thrillers where it's like, oh, it's scary in the mind. Not uh-huh. so much the jump scares. I see. Well, that's definitely
0: what we're doing here. <laughs>
3: yes, absolutely. And it's you had you had
0: seen Black Swan before, but not Perfect Blue. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I've seen Black Swan when it originally came out. I actually recorded like a podcast in college about Black Swan. Interesting. So like, it was very fresh in my mind because I I had to like dissect it then. But I had never seen Perfect Blue, even though I love Satoshi Kon films. Mm -hmm. But I just never watched Perfect Blue because that movie came out when I was young and the trailers made it seem extra scary. So it's been ingrained in my own mind that, you know, it's a little too creepy for me. But I finally, you know... (laughs) This was the right time for it.
0: <laughs> rounded out your uh, the Satoshi Kone experience, yep. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Cool.
2: Well, I can't wait to hear what you think about it. But first, horror trivia. <laughs> so we're going to ask you these questions. Oh no!
0: Okay, I definitely don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I picked an easy one for your first question.
3: Okay.
2: Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Name the movie.
3: When you said that line, it sounded very familiar, but now I'm blanking. Shoot.
2: <laughs> I can curse, right? I can oh, curse. absolutely! Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. We curse uh-huh. like there's no
4: tomorrow.
3: <laughs> I, I see, like that meme in my head. Oh no, it's not the meme. I'm thinking about seagulls, <laughs> 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 which is that Star Wars video <laughs> with the limp sink. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, is it? Is it Nightmare on Elm Street? It is. Oh, yes, yes.
0: yes, it is. A A okay. Nightmare on Elm
2: okay. Street. Very okay. good. All right.
0: Good. So there aren't any established. Like perfect blue question. Trivia for perfect blue. Blue. <laughs> so I do have one. Uh, perfect blue has one particular accent color that it uses for most of its metaphors. What color is that?
3: Was that a question for me? For,
0: well, for you first, but it's for Kelsey too if you okay. can't get it. Yeah.
3: Why I actually saw a video first? on this yesterday. Oh,
0: okay.
2: Oh, uh, so do you know the answer? I think it's red.
0: It is red. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's called perfect blue, but blue really doesn't have much to do with it, Yeah, to be yeah. honest. Red, visually red is the more striking metaphor in the movie.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of red, but there's a lot of pink, too. Mm. Well, that's a, a variation A
0: variation of red, of red. yeah.
2: <laughs> pink and red are different, because <laughs> some of us hate pink and some of us love red, mm. so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love pink. Um, yeah, it's just some cultures, it's really weird, but some cultures see, like, dark blue and light blue as two completely mm. different colors, and we don't, really. But, yeah, pink and red we see more as two different colors than other cultures do. It's just weird, mm. the way we... It's a thing? Shut up. Um, okay, so, uh, let's get right into 1997's Perfect Blue, based on the novel by Yoshikazu Takayuchi- and written by Satayuki Murai, directed by Satoshi Kone, like we said before, and the Japanese version starring Junko Iwao, Rika Matsumoto, and Shimpachi Suji. What is Perfect Blue about?
3: I forget what her actual whole name is, but Mima is a pop idol in a group called Cham, and she gets an opportunity to become an actress, and she decides to go into the acting track fully, I guess, and abandons her, her pop group. And then she starts losing her sense of identity and as she, you know, succumbs to the acting track and the expectations of that and how it conflicts with her previous pure pop image.
0: The movie is available to rent for $3 or 8 or $10 to buy on The Usual Suspects most services. Should people watch the movie?
3: Oh, most definitely. Yeah, maybe if you're not like twelve like I was, but maybe <laughs> when you're older, it wasn't as creepy as I thought. But I was like, I can see why maybe I shouldn't have watched this when
0: I was. Oh young. yeah, it's it's one of the more graphic movies that we watched in terms of things that you know you might not want your kids seeing. <laughs> there's like there's scenes that we got really upset upset mm-hmm. about in um, Man Bites Dog, for instance.
3: Also, the company that released it in America is called G Kids.
0: G Kids, yes.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, no. we <laughs> do have,
3: like adult uh-huh. animation, but it's like, oh, you kept the name G Kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not all for kids. That's so funny.
0: <laughs> I remember the first like anime movie that I ever saw when I was in, I want to say I was in high school, maybe even middle school, was uh, Ninja Scroll. And that is definitely not a movie for kids.
2: Akira. Really not a movie for kids. Seventh grade. <laughs>
3: What was your first anime? First anime movie? Yeah, I remember the first anime I got really into was ranma One Half. Okay, yeah, which has a lot of like nudity. Oh, agents.
0: she's never heard of Ronmo One Half. Can you explain what the, what the half in Ronmo One Half means?
3: <laughs> okay, so do you know what Inuyasha is? Okay, well, never mind. They're never, never going to go, not going to go down that track. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> Inuyasha is another anime.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's from Rumiko Takahashi, and she's like a really prolific mangaka. And Ronmo One Half is about this martial artist high schooler kid who travels to China with his dad. I forget why exactly, but he like falls into a hot spring. And the whole premise is that after that point, he's like cursed. So when he is drenched in cold water, he becomes like a female version of himself and then hot turns him back into a man, but he's still the same person. He's just physically a woman. And each of the hot springs has like a different curse. So his dad falls into one where he becomes a panda and then, <laughs> yeah. And then there's, like, other random characters. It's a huge supporting cast where, you know, one of them's a goose, one of them's a pig. It's
0: and... a long-running show and manga, so... Yeah, it's
3: like a comedy martial yeah. art show. It's very uh-huh. fun. It's like action and then, you know, a monster... Not a monster, <laughs> like a person or a technique or a object of the week kind of deal.
2: I don't know why explanations of anime still surprise me. anymore. Like, I really don't know why it still surprises me. But I did lie because I remembered my first anime movie was
3: My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, I forgot all that. I also about. rewatched that recently because Chris had never seen my, mm. my husband, Chris. Not your husband, Chris. you yes, are both married to Chris's. <laughs> also bald. <so. laughs>
0: Very true. We should probably clarify... That there is an English language track for this. There are a few differences, including one very key difference at the very end of this movie that mm. I don't think we caught. I know I didn't catch it the first time I saw it. I don't think you caught it either in the Japanese uh, language version. So we watched the Japanese language version. But when we show clips, when we play clips for you guys, it's going to be the English Track, so Which excuse why- us if we get the words wrong or whatever. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Which Trust is us.
2: why I said we should watch the dubbed no, version.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs>
3: the dub version. Okay, okay you know. so you so can I maybe help us know. out with this. Okay, okay <laughs> well, I haven't cool. seen it in this original Japanese, so I wouldn't even know what it is. But you know, it's good to have context. Yeah,
2: and it'll be good to hear that. Like, you'll be like, "What?" and we'll be like, "What?"
0: <laughs> well, you'd probably be like, "What?" too, <laughs> not, not knowing this because it's it's subtle. It's so subtle that even the translators missed it mm-hmm. when they translated it, and that's why it's not in the English speaking version. So. Mm-hmm. You can take our advice or leave it, but we really would recommend you watch it if you can. When we get back, we will talk about 1997's Perfect
1: Blue. Mima was a pop star.
4: This is Mima's last performance with Chan.
1: Who desired to become an actress.
5: I really hope that I can entertain you just the same as an actress.
1: But sometimes aspirations can be deadly. (laughs) in the world of make-believe. This is when Mima proves herself. The price of fame.
4: Don't worry, Mima, it'll be all right.
1: May not be worth the cost of identity.
4: (laughs) Where
5: did this come from? How do they know so much?
1: Innocence is lost. (laughs) Dreams become theirs. And privacy no longer exists. Where everything you do can be seen by everyone. And those you trust are really those you should fear. Your life no longer belongs to you. Excuse me. Manga Entertainment presents Satoshi Khan's animated psychological thriller.
5: Perfect blue. Excuse me, who are you?
2: Excuse me, who are you?
0: Can you get us started, Kels? How does Perfect Blue begin?
2: It begins with a Power Rangers show, (laughs) Powertron.
0: There are a lot of these shows in Japan, but this is a stage production of uh, assumedly a popular TV show.
2: They are most certainly supposed to be Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah. So Power
0: Rangers were not the first, and they're not the last.
2: And... You mean they're not the first? Okay, well, so, so here's many many the different fun versions. thing.
0: Yes. There's many, 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 many different versions. You know the Power Rangers that we know? Yeah. it's, it's The different
2: colored people. Yes, it's a
0: completely <laughs> different show in Japan. And oh, they I just... know that.
2: I know that we took all the fighting sequences yes. that just they did, yeah. uh-huh. and then we just put in English words. Yes. I know that. But
0: in some cases, the the shows that we're taking from are completely different shows. <sighs> like they're not related to the other shows. But it's it's when I say many, 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 there's like dozens, and we just keep pulling from them. And that, and now it's Power Rangers, space or Power <laughs> Rangers, whatever. They're, they got cars now. Like that's, so anyway, yeah, there are a lot of these in Japan.
2: And so this is at a big, like, kind of a festival show. But I, I actually wouldn't say it's big because they keep talking about how it's a no-name show. Mm.
3: I think it's just, like, in a public place. Because especially yeah. as, a, like, a pop idol in Asia, like, you have to make appearances in the public. Like, go to a park and perform for, like... You know, your fans will show up, but it's, like, just people passing by and be like, oh,
0: what's that? Oh, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, in a, this sort of outdoor amphitheater mm. where you might see, like, the birds perform at SeaWorld or something like that. You know, like, one of those sorts of places.
2: Okay. There's a group of guys that apparently come to this thing a lot and cause trouble. I guess they get drunk and just throw things. They're jerk
0: asses what they are. Yeah. They're mean and rude for no reason.
3: Yeah, they see a free thing and they're like, we're just going to go and make fun of it.
2: (laughs) Yes. Does anybody know what Cham means? (laughs) Why are they called Cham?
3: No idea. Nobody knows? I think it's probably just like, I'm sure it's an acronym for something in English. Yeah, maybe. Like, charming, hot, anime, (laughs) 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 memories. (laughs) charming hot anime memories
2: (laughs) that is what this episode
4: should be brought to you by
2: (laughs) but so we get to see our band and they are called cham and it's three of them and eileen do you want to describe what they are wearing
3: uh so they're wearing like frilly kind of made outfits like Mm -hmm. mima's in pink and then i don't remember what her two
0: they're all wearing the same thing i think
3: yes yeah it's the same color Uh like pink yeah it's kind of like frilly, kind of made, outfitty, very Lolita, innocent-like. Yes.
2: May I ask how you feel about this? <laughs> I mean, saying Lolita makes me think I understand how you feel about it.
3: Well, in Japan, there is like a lolly culture where, you know, it doesn't really beckon back to uh, like uh, novel as much, but still kind of like that innocent, girly image that definitely their group is trying to uphold where you, especially as a fan, you... Uh, you know, imagine them as pure, you know, you, yeah. they're like totally sexless, but it is cute and charming
0: still. Uh-huh. And that's going to kind of fuel a lot of what ends up happening in this is that that understanding that your pop idols are like this perfect sort of image that you have of them. And when really the real people underneath, because th- one way they show that is that this sequence is intercut with with um, Mima, just like mm-hmm. at the store buying stuff.
3: You know, in and her frumpy
0: everyday clothes. Exactly, yeah. Yes. And it, she's nothing like she is when she's on stage with Cham.
2: And they sing their song, which is peppy and fun and wonderful, and it's all about the angel of love smiling uh-huh. at you.
0: It's very toothless and generic, <laughs> and it, a lot of like J pop songs are like that.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, I wanted to ask, in the dubbed version, do they sing in English?
3: They do sing in English. Their voices are completely different from what their like, speaking voice is. It's a little <laughs> deeper, it's not as probably high-pitched and cute as the Japanese one, uh-huh. but it's still kind of like, as you said, like a toothless love lip. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: Meanwhile, as Chris said, we're getting visuals of other things. Uh, like I said, we've got the one group of people that are causing the problems. Uh, we also have her managers, who are Rumi
3: and...
0: Oh, it's Mr. Um... It's
3: like Tadakuro or something. something. like that, <laughs> yeah, 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 Tadakuro. <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> and they
2: are arguing over what Mima should be doing with her image, because Mr. Tadakuro...
0: Yeah. Is that how you say
2: it? Tado ta- ta- Koro. Tado Mr. Tadokoro. Kuro. Yes. Koro.
0: Oh, in the Japanese version, it's Koro. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> he wants her to become an actress because that would be more financially lucrative. But Rumi desperately wants to keep her as a pop idol. Now, Chris and I had a conversation about Rumi. And you talked about the fact that she probably had only ever been in the producer or the casting role, but she does say, "Yeah, no,
0: she no." At one point in her life, she is a failed pop star, pop idol star, just like I'm
3: talking about Rumi, right? Yes,
0: okay. yeah. Uh-huh. But now she's um, Mima's manager. No, mm-hmm. yeah, which makes sense. You kind of like age out of that pop idol role, and then uh-huh. you're still
3: in that world. You kind of know the spiel of what to do, so you just kind of step into the role as manager for. A younger, up-and-coming generation. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And the two of these people, they work for an agency, which manages Cham, and will manage Mima if she decides to go into acting, which is what uh, Todokoro is trying to get her to do.
2: Now, I do want to point this out because I'm going to talk about the next person that we see is who I will only call as the Creeper because I don't know what his name is. Uh, I put a creepy guy in my notes. (laughs)
0: So he has a name and it's like Uchiro or something like that. But he calls himself Me Mania. We'll get Mm. that out right now. We don't learn that until later. The way they spell it is Me, M-E hyphen mania, just like regular old mania.
2: Like he's maniacal about himself.
0: Mm. Right, no, but I think <laughs> I, I I think that's just so they can spell it so we understand how it's supposed to be spoken. But I think it's that he's obsessed with Mima. Yeah,
2: yes, that's what Mimania. I thought that was supposed. Oh, yeah. so it should be M I. Yeah. mania, not me as in myself.
0: Yeah, because uh, I guess maybe they'd be worried that people would pronounce it Mimania or I, or I don't know, mania. my mania. Yeah, Which,
3: you know, he is he has a lot of mania. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we see the creeper.
2: Now, what did you think of the way... Because here's the thing. As soon as you see Creeper, you know he's evil Mm -hmm. because of the way he's drawn, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you look at Rumi and you can see some similarities. Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah.
2: What do you think about the way they were drawn? Mm -hmm. Did you see anything, right?
5: Oh, okay.
2: Well,
3: I didn't think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 Uh-uh-uh. Okay.
2: Did you not think they they looked... So they didn't remind you of that?
3: No, I I figured it is a visual cue that they're... Since their eyes are so far set apart that it's like, oh, they're maybe they're not seeing things clearly as the rest of the characters. And that's how I took it.
0: It's also there's also the added issue of we're talking about 90s animation Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be semi realistic. And so you don't have like a lot of options to show people as being physically different from each Mm -hmm. other. And if we're going to get into the whole the concept of, you know having a perfect appearance and that may be contrasting with what you have inside, they're going to use the visual appearance of these people to make them seem like there's something wrong with them. Yeah, yeah. And so they do it that way and you have to do it exaggerated when we're talking about animation. Mm-hmm. But I it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that this does make them look like they have some sort of physical defect.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's those two things kind of go hand in hand.
2: But how do we feel? about that does that upset us that they felt the need to draw them like that i mean does, mm. is that upsetting
3: or you just, me? <laughs> you know, I, I understand where you're coming from but kind of like what chris is saying is how like with anime or just like animation since you have that medium that you know sometimes looks do reflect your inner self and that's what they're trying to portray like in the mm-hmm. in the anime itself so that their eyes are kind of set apart they look visually different and kind of off kilter yeah where everyone's else's eyes are kind of like the perfect. same, Yeah, they're perfect. Whereas theirs are distinctively not. So there's probably something wrong with them yeah. that we're supposed to get.
0: Okay. So in case you haven't already caught on, there's something up with Rumi. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, Rumi's wonderful. <laughs> She's just overly concerned. <laughs> as any, you know, manager would be. Uh-huh. Exactly.
2: Okay, so the creeper tries <laughs> to stop the kids from throwing things. Because he's watching... Mima as if she's like this goddess Mm -hmm. And it gets punctured When somebody throws a can at her So he goes in to stop it But they end up
3: beating the shit out of him Mm -hmm. When they threw the can at her, she just dodged it like a pro. Yes.
0: <laughs> She's I just know. like, whatever. <laughs> like George W. Bush dodging a shoe. Yeah,
2: and, it, and they even drew it kind of like she moved out of the way. Like, like... It's part
3: of the dance. Exactly. Yeah. I liked that. That was fun. Oh, yeah. Also, that scene, like, it's a beautiful shot where he's, like, at an angle where he is holding his oh, hand. Yeah, and, hand yeah. and it's as if he were, she, Mima, is, like, dancing, like, in the palm of his hand.
2: Tiny dancer in my hand. I'm a terrible singer. So what is Mima getting ready to tell
3: her audience? That she is quitting Cham and that she's just going to pursue acting. Which, you know, she probably could have, you know, just thinking about it realistically, she could have pursued both. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like,
3: she doesn't have to go whole hog on a bit part. Right.
0: But I think the thing that they were trying to do is is make sure that, number one, she could commit all of her resources to to, like, changing her image. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to be a pop star anymore. She wanted to sort of evolve and be an actress. But also, as we see later on, we get questions from producers and writers who are like, can we rely on this person who's a pop star? Mm -hmm. And they have to stress, no, 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 she's done with that. She's devoting herself to acting, and that's what she needed to do to get the trust of the people who are actually making these movies and TV shows.
1: Help me out here, please, would you? Try and make use of Mima just a little bit more. Ah, she's a pop idol, understand? They're just so hard to use. No problem. It's easy. She's done with being a pop idol.
0: Really? We also want to give her a drastic image change.
2: So you think she personally did want to be an actress?
0: I think that she felt she wanted to move on mm. and evolve her art form. I don't, I don't think that she thought that pop music was... She thought it was fun enough... You know, she's a little innocent, too, and it's it's a little innocent, but I think she wanted to grow up.
3: Do you agree? Yeah, it makes sense, because being a pop idol in Asia, like, at that level, is, like, your image can only be one thing. So it can be very stifling. So mm-hmm. even if she was, like, unsure, like, at that moment that they made her choose or, you know, to end the conflict, she seems like that type of person where she's just going to give in with, you know, whatever people want around her so that there's... No more conflict.
2: That's exactly how I read it. I read it as a scared little girl just going along with it because she doesn't want anybody to get mad at right, her. Right,
0: but when she's presented, we see later a scene where her two managers are fighting over what they want to do with her. Um, one says she needs to stay a pop star and not be an actress. That's Rumi. And then Tadakoro wants her to become just an actress and not a pop star. Mm. She makes a decision right there. There is, no, there, is, there is no stream to just go along with. If she makes a decision one way or the other, she disappoints somebody.
2: Mm. Yeah, but she would have been disappointing the male in this situation. Right, but
0: she's closer to Rumi. Mm. Rumi's more of a mother figure for her. I
2: mean, I don't know
0: a, a ton system.
2: about Japanese culture, but I'm sure that it's very similar to most cultures where women feel the need to go along with, like I said... Male side of the situation. I
0: think that's definitely a part of this movie. There's a lot of that in this
2: because these fights are happening. She's trying to tell them all that she's going to quit, but all these fights keep happening, and so they end up canceling the show. Like, they only did, like, one song.
0: And that's the No, end. no, she had, <laughs> she had one more song to do, and it was going to be her last song.
2: And she does it. So oh, so that's they, right, so they yeah. they
0: didn't do it. But it is really short. It was just right before the last song. Was
2: and as she's walking away, and everybody's like, Mima, Mima, I love you. Somebody gives her a letter. It's obviously a love letter. And he says, I'm always looking at Mima's room. She has no idea what that means yet.
0: Can we talk about how this movie has kind of a, um, it has kind of like a Greek chorus in the form of those three dudes who are just fans of Cham and Mima. And we see them throughout the movie Mm -hmm. commenting on the news that's coming out. They kind of represent the public perception of Mima.
3: Yeah, they're Um, not like crazy fanatics, but they are dedicated to her and they like... You know, comment how anyone would casually talk about yeah. a celebrity. Exactly.
1: Well, you know, it totally makes sense from the agency's point of
0: view. Top idols just don't make money, right? Metamorphosis, huh? I just wanted to talk about that because we'll, they'll come up multiple times. At this point, they're like, oh, they can't believe that she's breaking up Cham, which he's really not, and uh, that she's going to go on to acting. It's Why would she do that?
3: But then they also talk about, like, oh, but it's fair that she would do that. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have reasonable, like, I think if this was happening in modern times, it would be like a like an online forum as opposed to just three guys talking. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you
0: gotta remember this is 97 and the internet plays a very interesting role in all of
2: this. <laughs> she takes down her Cham poster, because now that's over with, and she feels like she is being watched, which she most certainly is. And the fuck! rings.
0: <laughs> the phone rings. It's her mom. Yes. It's the only like bit of her mom we get, like in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe one more conversation throughout, but it's just like, hey, I'm fine.
3: Yeah. It's like how are you doing?
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like nothing.
2: Well, her mom does harp on her about the fact that you wanted to be a singer. You had all those lessons. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Mom, you don't understand this business. <laughs> She ends up getting a call while she's on the phone with her mom and
3: ends up being a creepy caller.
0: Just breathing. Just heavy breathing. Mm-hmm.
3: But she's just like, oh, no one's there.
0: Yeah, it hangs <laughs> up. She doesn't seem to address it. She's completely <laughs> oblivious to the fact that this might be somebody obsessed with her. And-
2: I don't know that it's oblivious. I think there's a, I don't think she thinks it's anything dangerous, but I do think that she knows what that phone call means. I think she's just programmed to say,
5: oh, it's fine. Mm.
0: Really? Okay, I read it differently. I read it as, because when she hung up, she's like, huh, and just hangs up. Like, she's confused. Like, she's like, what? That's weird. Hmm. Like, if she did hear it, she didn't know what the implication was. Mm-hmm. That That's just the way I read it, though.
3: Yeah, it, like, especially in the English dub, like, her tone of voice is so cheerful, and it doesn't seem to register like what is happening with the heavy breathing and it's kind of very mild and mm-hmm. she's just like yeah there's nobody and then she just continues talking with her mom there's no facial indication that it seemed to have disturbed her in any way yeah
4: okay kitty residence hello he- hello <sighs> <sighs> uh, wrong number
2: Uh uh-uh. they didn't say anything she also gets a fax
3: <laughs> yep.
0: Fax machines.
3: Yeah, I love looking at the technology. Uh huh. I'm just like, oh. She has
0: very, very limited space in her apartment, and it's basically a studio apartment, and she still finds room for a fax machine. Because that's how things were just done back then. What does the fax say?
3: Do you remember? I actually have no idea, because uh, the version
0: I watched didn't. Sub <laughs> what it was Oh, oh it didn't say what it
3: said yeah. oh, okay. It says a
0: lot of different things but mainly it says traitor uh,
3: uh, okay. Like over and over Yeah you know it's a creepy letter in which you know Someone clipped out letters and words yeah. And then pasted them together but, So I was like oh it's probably something creepy <laughs> I, was, I couldn't read it so.
4: Well yeah
2: I think Chris try- Chris is trying to learn Japanese right mm. now And did you understand no, any
3: of it? No. Oh, okay, yeah, There's a lot of kanji on there <laughs>
2: <laughs> She is getting ready for her Bit on the TV show and she has one line, and she's sitting there and repeating it
3: over and over and over again. Do you know what her line was? So it might be different in the Japanese. Okay, let's hear what the English But one in is. the English one, it's excuse me, who are you?
0: It's just who are you. It's, in it's
3: just who language. are you. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why. So she just
2: keeps saying, who are you?
3: Who are you? Excuse me, who are you? Excuse me, who are you? Open up. Excuse me, who are you? Who
0: are you? And it's very funny. But it's also tied heavily into the themes of this movie. Absolutely. Of identity and, you know, Mm. who are you? She even says it at one point to her mirror.
2: Oh, several (laughs) times. Yeah. Yeah. As she is getting uh, ready to go up there and do her one line, she asks Rumi about that letter she got because in that little letter it said something about, I always look at Mima's room. And she was like, what is that? And Rumi explains that it is a website, but she doesn't know what
0: a website is. (laughs) She's like, oh, is that the internet? That's been been blowing up lately.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I found that interesting because the website is called Mima's Room, but if she had no idea that it was a website, it says Mima's Room. I'm looking at Mima's Room. Would she not think she had a stalker
0: already? Right, yes. Just from the way Uh that's phrased. Yes. (laughs) But the culture of the internet in the late 90s was a lot of chat rooms and stuff like that. So the concept of a website being called a room is not that Mm. strange.
3: It's just a website. Somebody took it off the internet.
5: Oh,
4: that's really popular lately. Huh, so what's it mean? Hmm, how can I describe it? It's kind of like networking by using the computer.
2: Yeah, and? Well, it looks like this person, whoever it is, Put up a link to Mima's room, which is the title of the website. That makes sense?
3: Hmm, not one bit. Oh, I think I found interesting when she's rehearsing the line or when she films it is like how nervous she already is just from yes. being in front of the cameras and being in front of everyone. And the way she like looks around at every mm-hmm. like person or like actors who are going about their own business and she's just so nervous. Where the way I read it was like, oh. Is she nervous because this is a new experience for her, or because she's not getting the same kind of attention and
0: adoration that she's used to as a pop star? Uh, that, that's a, <laughs> that's a good question. Actually, I think I think it can definitely be. I think that might be subtextual. Yeah, obviously the text I think is the first one mm-hmm. where she, she she she's terrified of messing up. Yeah, but yeah, no, I think that can definitely be read as subtext that. She's the least important person in that room right now.
2: Mm. Oh, I absolutely agree with that assessment. Yeah, because she's just sitting there staring and it's a really interesting way that they chose to draw it because only certain people have like things that are moving but a lot of the people are just kind of standing there, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. like they don't move and that almost makes it scarier, because it almost feels like you're surrounded by people, but since you don't know these people, they're not real to you. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it has that kind of feel to sure, it as well. Yeah. But, of course, a lot of this movie is in her mind, so Mm-mm. that yeah. could just be in her mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll,
0: we'll, we'll tell you that right now. There's, It's not exactly clear how much of this movie is actually happening or not, and it's going to ramp up as the movie gets gets going along.
2: So while they're doing this, the producer I think or the director comes down and the writer comes down uh-huh. and oh fan mail and all there's there's all this fan mail for the main star of the show. But oh there's this one particular letter that was meant for Mima and Tadakoto. So he opens it and what happens, Eileen?
0: There's a bomb in that letter. It's a it's a small explosion, yeah. like maybe a large firework or something like that, like large firecracker or something like that.
3: Yeah, but it damages his hand. It gets a little bloody.
0: Yeah. And, and the his note face says, too. Oh yeah. Then the note says it's all burnt up, but we, we do see part of it and it says something to the effect of this was just a warning, the next one will be real.
3: Mm. See, I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's so funny that
3: they didn't do the text for you. Yeah, yeah. I just assume that it's threatening, so it's just...
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the idea is it was just supposed to be a warning. Nobody was supposed to be killed, Mm. but uh, Tadakoro is injured, and he'll have bandages on his hands. Yeah, but he also kind of
3: brushes it off, so it's just like, well, these things happen, whatever. (laughs) He doesn't want
0: to worry her at all. He doesn't want to derail the plans.
2: Right. And so the next scene that we're going to have is Rumi setting up an Apple computer <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
2: for Mima so that she can get on the internet. Now, does that mean that Rumi is not aware of Mima's room yet outside of that letter?
0: I, I think there is something where the fact that she knew that Mima's room was a website, like we were talking about earlier, is a little bit unusual. I think she already knew about it.
2: So why would she help her understand the internet.
0: Why would she not? Like, what good excuse is there for her not to?
3: I think showing her the website is also a way to like pressure Mima back there into yeah, being uh-huh. a pop idol. Oh. Where, you know, I also got the impression that Rumi wrote it.
5: You don't think Mimania was in charge of it?
0: So, see, here's that's one of the things that's really vague. <laughs> I do think that Mimania did not write Mima's Room, I, I think it was Rumi. And I think that's how Mimania was convinced that our Mima was an imposter, is because this other voice in the form of Rumi is telling him, save me, and then eventually, that's not me. So I think he's, he's somebody who's fallen for this Mima's Room version of Mima.
3: And you agree with that? Yeah. There's a scene later on where, you know, there's like a projection, not a projection, but like the illusion of the pop idol Mima like looking over his shoulder. Yes. That's how I read that.
0: And it's the one time in the movie where we see the Mima that's in Mima's head, the Cham Mima, uh, and Mima's nowhere to be found. This is in the room with Mimania. So I think he feels like he's really talking to her, and if this fake Cham version of... Mima is actually, spoilers, is actually Rumi, then I think we can interpret that as being Rumi is the one that's talking to Mimania.
2: Okay, that's, that's very interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. I totally thought he was in charge of the room. He was stalking her. And the, the girl is his, his version of her, of course. I thought that when Rumi saw the website, she reached out to Mimania Pretending to be Got it. her. Mm. But yours makes even more
3: sense than mine. <laughs> well, that's I, that still works, I think. Is yes. that she, Rumi is probably still reaching out to Mimania. Because at one point...
0: Uh, he talks about how they she, oh, the she told him to like do... Like through the, emails or something. Yeah,
3: yes, uh, and we yeah. see those emails.
0: Yeah. So the way this movie works is you can get pretty deep into it thinking that memania is the primary villain mm-hmm. and so the idea that he's the one that's writing Mima's room needs to work on the surface until more information is revealed to you and then oh wait it's actually roomy so interpreting it that most of the way through the movie is i think it's supposed to read that way
2: as she is showing her how to use the internet Mima's like shouldn't we Please, but Rumi's like nah dog it's cool we're good it was just a prank and Mima she's trying to show Mima how to use the internet and Mima's like it's so hot! No see at the location here you enter the URL it's really not that difficult to understand.
5: Oh Rumi come on will you please explain it to me in English?
2: Oh
4: boy whatever gave you the idea to buy a computer anyway.
5: Because they said it
2: was
3: easy. All
4: right, I'll explain it from the beginning once more. Okay.
3: They're using
0: Netscape Navigator.
3: Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's Navigator. Brings
0: yeah. it back. Yep. For all those early internet users.
2: <laughs> yeah, our computer looked a lot like that computer that they had, our first one.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Navigator's is the, the web browser. Oh, that
2: I know. You know. I remember. Right? It looked uh-huh. like a compass, right?
0: Yeah, it was like an N coming over her, a horizon, but there oh, were versions. I thought
2: that was Netscape.
0: It's the same thing. Netscape Navigator. Oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Netscape is the company that's your service provider, and mm-hmm. Navigator is the browser that you use. Okay.
2: She starts to look at Mima's room, and she discovers that this person must be actually following her. Because it knows too many details mm. for it to be mm-hmm. fake.
0: She closes her blinds nervously as well. She looks out her her window, seeing who can see her.
2: She starts to question again: "Who are you?" Right? She's saying it to the internet, but we all know that she also means herself. She goes to the show again, and she only gets three shots. And Rumi is getting more and more angry with Tadakoro. Or I'm sorry if I'm saying that <laughs> wrong. Oh. <laughs> And Rumi keeps getting more and
3: more angry about this.
2: And meanwhile, what's happening with Cham, Eileen?
3: Their most recent song as a duo as Cham, like, charted at 83, which is not super high. But mm-hmm. before when Mima was with them, they had never charted. Yeah. So she's very excited for their success. But it's obviously kind of like, a oh, you know, they're, they're kind of taken off right. without I- me.
0: Am I the reason that we weren't taking off when it was a trio? Like, yes, you got to start asking yourself that question. And that's not exactly helping her state of mind here.
2: Yes. And doesn't something happen? Because doesn't he want to... Tadakoro wants her to go in and celebrate with them. And she does too, but something happens. She
0: sees herself in the in the booth with them because they're on the radio. Moment?
2: No, that's, that's later. later. I thought yeah. that was later. Yeah. But something happens here because she wants to go in and celebrate with them. And something happens and she doesn't, which is why when she ends up leaving, the people are like, oh, it's it's her again. Hi, Mima. And she's like, and she doesn't say anything. Oh, maybe she sees the creeper. That might be what happens here.
0: She thinks she sees the creeper in the hallway.
2: That is probably what happens. And then she leaves.
3: And that's why she doesn't say hi to any of her fans. Because she's like, fuck all of you. And he is there. After she goes inside the building and she looks back, the creeper guy is in the doorway. There you go.
0: That's what it is. Yeah, that. So I don't know if it's th- if it's this is that scene or not. What she also sees is, oh yes, haha, it is. <laughs> when she gets into the elevator in the company's building, there's a newspaper clipping t- taped to the wall that says that that jerk ass dickhead who threw the co- the can at her. <laughs> Was involved in a hit and run accident.
2: Oh, that's oh. right. I forgot about that. And then
0: he's smiling at her from the front door right. that she can see from the elevator because he knows, oh, she just read it. And he's like, I did that for did you. That for you. <laughs> and
3: Another
0: she's, thing she's that really did creeped not out. I from
3: the dub. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine something happened to him because it yeah. was like an age in a bracket. I was like, I guess he died. <laughs> Maybe he did it. I don't know what
2: happened. <laughs> this is when the producers of the show. Ask her manager if she'll do a rape scene.
0: Yes. And Rumi is like, absolutely not. No, she is not doing that. And Tadakoro is like, I mean, come on. This is.
2: It'll make her the killer. And that makes her more important to the show. And so she'll have more scenes.
0: This is her chance. And she's like, I think I could do it. It's just pretend, right? Like, I can pretend. Mm -hmm.
2: But what was interesting is Rumi said, we need to protect our actresses or our our celebrities, you know, that we manage. And I found that an interesting thing to say because there are movies, there's lots of movies that have rape that you could have easily taken out, right? Mm -hmm. But there are other movies where rape is done in a way that I don't want to say, like, appropriately, (laughs) but, like, done in a way that, like, it's handled... Where like it's about the woman's response or you know, like there's yes. things that we yeah, do it centers without. the woman. Right. And, yeah, uh-huh. So it's like, is that the way we should always feel when a woman does a rape scene? Like we that person wasn't protected. That person was no, exploited I think for wrong. entertainment.
0: I, I don't I think Rumi is supposed to be making reasonable arguments, but I also think that Rumi is wrong. Like, yeah, she's terrified of the world not seeing Mima as pure anymore. Because she's still locked on to that pop idol version of Mima. And this is the exact opposite of that. Where there's this bright sheen that you have of purity over these pop idols. And then now she's going to be raped on screen. Like, that will absolutely shatter that and all hope that she might return to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this might even be an opportunity that if, if she can convince them that this is one step too far, maybe she can... And pull it back and get her back in the pop idol scene
3: mm. like this is too extreme of a move yeah uh-huh. you can move back into the safety of yes. Cham. exactly yeah
2: do you agree with uh chris in that Rumi is wrong
3: you know uh I, I think she makes a lot of sense but i think mima could have taken it either way and ultimately is her choice although mm-hmm. you know as you mentioned before there, there is a really strong deference to like oh like this is what the like the male production company wants of me. Mm-hmm. And, like, it makes sense for me to do it. And, yeah, it is pretend. Although, like, once it actually gets there and you, like, see the scene play out, you're like, oh, this is really aggressive and disturbing. And it's like, how much of it is pretend, even even if there's no actual penetration?
0: Mm-hmm. Interestingly, I'm going to bring in Black Swan. I have been avoiding talking about Black Swan this entire time because there's points where it's like, just like in Black Swan, this happened. <laughs> um, but... This is kind of the meta of Black Swan, so I think it works. It's just coincidental that Natalie Portman has done nude scenes and sex scenes in the past. And she doesn't like doing them, but she has to be convinced to do them. And it's not like, I don't want people to see my body. She's like, no, it needs to be important to the plot. It needs to be done in such a way that, oh, look, it's her boobies isn't the focus <laughs> of of the scene. And instead, it's, you know, it, it somehow adds to the the story and what she really doesn't want is she doesn't want attention diverted away from the film itself and then just that scene shows up on porn sites Mm -hmm. as like look it's natalie portman naked and instead of
2: that's gonna happen no matter what because right shit right right, right. (laughs)
0: but that bothers her and she's like oh well i mean i did it for the movie not for this Mm -hmm. so it's not that she's anti-nudity but it's like well the there's shit around that mm-hmm. that's really, really annoying. So it's, it's interesting that she, in real life, went through a similar conflict that someone like Mima is going through and deciding whether or not to do this rape scene.
3: Yeah, it also made me think about Amelia Clark because she has spoken a lot about her role as a, a Khaleesi yes. in Game of Thrones and how, like, you know, looking back, I would not do it. But, like, I was young and, like, it made sense for me right. to do it.
0: And it was her first episode. Like, yeah. either she does it or she doesn't have the role. Yeah. And I think that's almost the same kind of thing that Mima's put into, you know. Basically. If she says no, they're done with her, you know. She ends up being the sister of a victim on a TV show and in one episode.
2: This is when we will get the first shot that was certainly stolen for Black Swan. When she is riding on the subway. Yes. She sees her image in the reflection of the window and it
3: turns and looks at her and that is... Mm. Directly in Black Swan. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> mirror motifs and imagery yes. that I'm like, oh, this is, you know, it's it's replicated very similarly in Black Swan.
0: We talked about this in our last episode, but Darren Aronofsky, who did Black Swan, he did Mother, which we just did for Mother's Day. Um, he paid $59,000 for the American filming rights to this movie to an adaptation of this movie, oh, really? which never ended up happening, oh. but he did own the rights to the content from the movie so he could do with it as he pleased in an American film. And so he put certain elements. We'll get to the element that he used for Requiem for a Dream. This one is one he ended up using for Black Swan. Black Swan probably having the most visual similarity to this movie of, of Aronofsky's movies. I have no idea. Mm-hmm.
2: This is our first indication that Nima has obviously some mental issues as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe not specifically like an actual problem in her brain, but clearly she's having a little bit of a breakdown.
0: Yes. This is the first clear indication of that.
2: And Because nobody else is there. Nobody else had any influence over her. It was just her and she saw her reflection mm. move. We get to the rape scene And I've always wondered, because if you haven't figured it out yet, guys, there was a time in my life when I wanted to be an actress. I always wondered if I was going to be in a movie that required a rave scene, how I would react to it, how I would do it, you know, like how I would approach it. But watching this, first of all, Chris brought up an excellent point. Like they wouldn't have a closed set, mm-hmm. you yeah, know. Like mm-hmm. you only need the actors and the director. Well, none of the other people needed to be there
0: nowadays. <laughs> mid nineties in Japan, mid nineties in America, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. But yes, nowadays, absolutely, this would be a closed set. The actress would be like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Get everyone out of the room that doesn't need to be in the room. Mm.
3: Yes. Although, even like the actors in the scene, there's like a lot of them because it's yes. like in a like a strip club or something. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But so. I had
2: never concerned myself because if you're if you're stage actor and you don't know anything about working with behind the camera um, there's a huge difference right I mean yes rehearsals you have to do the same thing over and over again but having to film it over and over again mm-hmm. because rehearsals you can slack off a little bit there are certain things you don't have to do over and over again you know we have to get to the main bits but like here you have to go full blown 100% over and over and over again I think that would Be the hardest part of filming a rape scene.
0: Probably, yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think the film does a really good job of, like, you know, it feels like a really real, visceral rape scene. And then they kind of pause and be like, I'm sorry for doing this. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, They're like, okay, let's reset the cameras because then now we need to get different different angles of it and stuff. And as this guy is on top of her and he's a total dick, obviously. He leans down, he's like on top of her and his, his head is next to her head and they're facing each other and he whispers in her ear, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and she's like, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm really sorry.
5: Oh no, it's all right.
2: And meanwhile, we see Tadokoro, uh, him and Rumi are watching this yeah. and he is very visibly upset by it and she's just full-blown crying. Mm-hmm. And she
0: gets up, she does one of those... Arthur hand clenched things and then storms out of the room.
2: Meanwhile, do you remember what she's seeing in her mind? Mima, while this is happening?
3: I think she sees, like, an audience cheering like she would at, like, like a show. Mm
4: -hmm. Right?
2: She (laughs) imagines herself as being a pop idol. It's like she's remembering what
3: my life was, and Mm -hmm. this is now what my life is. Uh Um, And so... It's also, like, intercut with, like, the the other men surrounding them in the rape scene, like, and yes. they're cheering him on. Yeah. And uh-huh. it's like intercut with cheers from a, th- like, like during a show. And it's like interesting, like, you know, this is the glory that yeah. she has now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, an you know, all simulated and fake during a rape scene.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: It's, it's, it's very. <laughs> Another interesting thing is like the outfit that she's wearing is like a really skimpier version of the yes. outfit she wears at the very beginning. Because. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, notice. because
0: that, that, That uh, cham outfit is obviously supposed to be like this sort of cutesified version of like a French maid outfit, but it's like white and pink uh, with pink trim. This is that, but she's wearing like an apron and nothing under it, but she has like thigh high stockings still, just like in that in the the cham outfit. Yeah, Yeah, uh huh. So it 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 still evokes that sort of like maid aesthetic, but one is the pop idol perfection version, and the other is the strip club rape victim version.
2: But so, Mima continues to do an excellent job of not showing off her emotions to anybody because she gets in the car. She's like, where's Rumi? He's like, "Uh, Rumi had to go home.
3: (laughs) (laughs) She Uh, didn't just have a mental breakdown.
2: And he's like, I'll treat you to a delicious meal. And she's like, lucky me! (laughs) But so, she comes home and she's still, still alone trying to do the whole happy me type thing, but... She discovers that her fish are dead, and this is what finally makes her break down. And she starts Mm -hmm. crying, and she starts- Crashing her room
3: around.
2: Yes. And what does she say? Do you remember?
3: Uh, I don't remember exact words, but she confesses, you know, to no one in particular but herself that she didn't want to do it, but, you know, she felt like she needed to.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's that pressure.
2: Yes. And the fish are alive! Oh, oh, yeah, the fish are alive, very yes. symbolic. Those dead fish,
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so basically, how I interpret that is she needed an excuse to break, sure, she didn't feel like she could. And then the idea that her fish were dead is what allowed her
0: to yeah.
2: break,
3: mm-hmm. okay, uh, definitely a manifestation of like, oh, you know, she's destroyed her, her innocent purity image, just mm-hmm. like the fisher did, but they're not, apparently, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: Now everyone, that, that group of guys that we've talked about who go throughout the movie, they're explaining that, oh, you know, people are probably so upset. They're probably whining about that's not really me, Marine, And everybody thinks she's going to quit the show. Mima's room actually writes, I'm going to quit the show. And she's looking. Again,
0: Mima's room being the website. Yes. With the imposter <laughs> Mima. Yes.
2: And she's looking at it. and She's like, I didn't write this. And who does she see? Pop idol
0: version of her song. (laughs) I'm like, is there somebody in particular that we should? Yes, yeah. Uh, At first, when she first sees the Mima's room and she reads it, and she's like, "Oh, this is cute," you know. Oh, this is fun. Like, I didn't write this, but oh, it's fun. Somebody's pretending to be me, and she doesn't take it seriously. At all. Which is how she does
2: at first because she's like, somebody's remember she closes her window. When
0: she realizes that everything's so accurate. But Mm -hmm. just the concept of somebody pretending to be her and writing a blog doesn't alarm her at all.
3: Yeah, she's like, oh, someone likes me so much to pretend to be. Right.
0: And that's generally how a lot of people treated the internet and internet stalking for a very, very long time. Especially if you like go towards People in positions of authority, like the police or something like that, for a long time, it was whatever, it's the internet, who cares, you know, and that's how people treated it, but no, it's still super serious, you know, as we will find out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And so her pop idol self is telling her deep in your heart, you know, you want to be a pop idol, you know, I'm going to be in the light, but you'll be in the shadows Mm. because you're now filthy and tarnished, and then she just falls out the window.
3: Stuff falls, but she like leaps. she like leaps out the window <laughs> like a fairy, and
0: then she runs away on the lamppost down the street. She just like hops along them and fades out. She doesn't go so far away and around the corner that they break line of sight. She just disappears.
3: Yeah, she is full of lightness, like she's bright and light, uh-huh. unlike you know the real Mimo who is now filthy tarnished and like heavy with burden yes. over yes. over this rape scene. <laughs> she just had her you know pop idol self slut shame her pretty much. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Exactly.
3: Meanwhile, the writer,
2: <laughs> who made a huge mistake by doing this to Mima. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> is in a parking garage. And, okay, in the American version, do you hear anything when he's walking through the parking garage?
3: Like the
0: song? Okay. It's, it was really, really quiet. You couldn't we were hear it getting, for the longest time. Well, because there's a reason why. Because he's far away in a parking garage and it's inside an elevator mm-hmm. and it's playing on a little radio. But all we're getting, he hears something. And we hear something very, very vaguely at times you can't hear it at all. But you do still see the closed captioning down at the bottom, like the subtitles, <laughs> yeah. saying the lyrics to her song.
2: And I'm like, what's happening? There's like, no sound. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's like, hello, is somebody there? And then he hits the elevator button. It opens up and he sees that there's a radio playing the song at like full blast.
3: Yeah, Like a champ song.
0: Yes. And then we hear the song again, but we're on a different floor. The doors of the elevator open up. And we see a bloody mess on all the walls, and the writer slumped down on the ground with his eyes having been gouged out. Fucked up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Did you think there was any significance to his eyes being taken out?
3: Well, I guess there's some symbolism in the fact that, like, he imagined that rape scene, so now he'll never see anything ever again? <laughs> I don't know.
0: There's an eye thing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not the only one to get stabbed in the eye.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of, like, screwdrivers gouging uh uh-huh, Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Meanwhile, Mima is at a photography session and she just keeps making, okay, I don't want to say bad choices. <laughs> Your body is yours and you are allowed to do with it as you please. Well, but the implication is that she did not want to do this.
0: Well, Cham, the other two ladies from Cham are talking about it. Oh, he's she's going to go see this photographer. Uh, well, he has a reputation for convincing girls to take their clothes off. So I hope she knows what she's doing. And sure enough, he's able to convince her to pose completely nude. But it's like in phases, you know, to take that top off, take the bottoms off. Oh, take your bra off. And then eventually she's 100% nude. Full female frontal nudity in this movie.
3: Well, you know, it's still obscured, but you do see like the pubic area. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: But there, there's another shot in the movie later on mm. where we see everything. Oh,
3: oh yeah, yeah. I don't It's, like, quick-cutted, right?
0: And and it's, like, you see her standing, you see her complete body, and there's nothing obscuring her crotch.
3: Mm. Yeah, I found it interesting how, like, oh, she has this one, like, role on a TV show, and then she goes and becomes... It's this thing called, if I remember correctly, like, in Japan, it's called a gravure idol. It's, like, G-R-A-V-U-R-E, where you're, like, a pop star, but you're, like, an erotic pop star, Mm -hmm. and you don't engage in any, like hardcore porn it's like very soft and it's mm-hmm. mostly just pictures and that's what it seemed like the photo shoot was because i'm like what actress nowadays just poses completely nude like that where i'm like who would want like read those magazines although we do see that you know in japanese culture it's very different they can be openly reading like hentai yeah. in on the train and everyone it just minds their own business, you know? Uh-huh. It's like, you do, you know, watch tentacle porn on your phone, but just make sure the volume is not on. Uh-huh. I'm not going to bother you.
0: It's good. There, a lot of this movie has a lot to say about... Before it was like a big concern in popular culture, and people started actually talking about it a lot, because I think it existed as a concept before this, uh, but the term male case. Mm-hmm. There's a lot... It, it's not only, it uses the male gaze as a device within the plot of the movie. As opposed to just being a vehicle for the male gaze like a lot of movies are.
5: Mm-mm-mm.
2: Yeah, this movie definitely feels like an indictment of it. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, she's still seeing herself as the pop idol. She'll keep popping up to tell her just kind of shit on her parade all day. And
0: Pun intended.
2: Tell, <laughs> tell her nobody wants you to be an actress, etc., etc., Meanwhile, the creeper, this is when we get that shot of Me-mania. him thinking that he's talking to her, but in reality, she's not actually there. But she, but he is really emailing someone, and we don't know who yet.
0: <laughs> you guys know because we've said it out loud.
2: <laughs> I do want to ask, since you had
3: never seen it, did you think it was Remy? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> really? <laughs> you figured it out? Like, you know, also, like, the visual cue of her eyes being kind of, like, uh-huh. set. Then, <laughs> I had a vague idea of what this movie was about and how, you know, it is about illusions and, like, like lost identity. But there is still, like, an antagonist. So it was like, oh, she's overly concerned. This creepy guy is a red herring. <laughs> so That's
0: I figured it, it, was,
3: it was Ruby. Okay. That is interesting. And when she broke
0: down during the rape scene, I was like, oh, it's totally her. <laughs> yeah, I saw this movie in, like, maybe 2000 or so. Uh, the first time, and I had no idea.
2: I saw this like 10 years ago, and I, I don't think I had any idea.
0: Mm. I think that the movie does a really good job of not
3: like leading you to believe mm-hmm. that right away. Yes. Well, because they make
0: on the surface, like I said earlier, on the surface, Rumi's concerns and her arguments are all reasonable. You're
3: very yes. sound. Even
0: if you don't agree with her, yes. you're still like, I can understand why somebody would feel that way. It's not like, wow, you need to cool it. So yeah, just
3: being protective of yes. you know her image and her mental well being. Mm-hmm. Like even later on in the movie when things are getting a little like, mm, uh, I see. It's just like oh she's acknowledging that uh, Mima is having psychological stress, whereas no one else is. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah. I- kind of like in Black Swan. We'll get. <laughs>
3: So he
2: decides that he's going to get rid of this imposter Mima. Yes,
0: because the Mima's room Mima has told him that, help me, that's not me, that's an imposter. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, this is when the movie is going to really start to uh, play around with the plot line. It's going to she's going to wake up and she'll be at rehearsal or she'll wake up and she's at her home and she doesn't know how she got there. Yeah, the
3: perception of reality becomes very skewed. Yes. Where it's like, is this a scene Um, from the movie or is this actually happening or is this a dream in her head? And a
0: lot of the time, the movie just straight up will not tell you. Mm -hmm. And there is no right answer one way or the other for a few of these scenes as to whether that's reality or not. You might have a feeling... Mm-hmm. But there is no, like, absolute right answer. But more importantly, I think to your point, Kelsey, she's losing time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not being herself anymore. Mm-hmm. She starts to see him, like, the creeper at at her job. But it's like, again, is, that re- is he really there? Mm-hmm. Or is it in her imagination? She keeps messing up lines because of it. At one point, she runs after herself. And I love this sequence. I love watching her just easily dart around, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then her hitting everybody she runs mm-hmm. into.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's into how like this imaginary version of herself is just like effortless yes. and light, whereas she's like clumsy and like smashing into people and like unsure of herself.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. At one point, she almost thinks she's about to get hit by a car, and that's when she will wake up in bed. It's like, did any of that happen? Mm-hmm. Was that all a dream?
0: Yeah. She's led to believe that. When she was running after herself, and then she sees me Mania driving a truck that hits her, mm. that that was that didn't happen. That was a dream you had.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Rumi is there. there and is very concerned. She's like, "Has someone been harassing you? I don't think you should look at that website anymore." Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, which Trying we to all throw know. us all off the scent. <laughs> Again, she's there. She's fucking up the line. Again, she wakes up in bed. Was any of that real? Doesn't understand what's going on. She ends up breaking a cup and Rumi is there. And Rumi's like, are you okay? And she's like, is this real? Am I bleeding?
5: This blood.
2: Rumi, is it real? Mima. And we don't know. She doesn't she know. Doesn't know and the audience doesn't
3: know. Black swan.
2: <laughs> and then who dies?
0: Mirano, who is the photographer. <laughs> yep, the guy who, the sleaze bag who took photos of her naked. Mm-hmm. She's just an innocent victim in all of this, and she wasn't making a decision for herself and controlling her own body. No, he was a predator. It might be true, but doesn't mean that she didn't make her own decisions. But as far as Rumi's concerned, no. Mm-hmm. That she was coerced into, into having... Taken those photos, and so he needs to die. How does he die?
3: It's also a little eye stabbing,
0: is it? So th- this one is probably cinemat- cinematographically <laughs> 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 might be one of the one of the uh, the most seen images in the movie. It's on a few of the posters. It's mm-hmm. on a few of the DVD covers. It's her, and she has her hands up above her head with a knife or something else, and there's a projection of her behind her what that is is he actually has a projector and he's looking at photographs. He's just doing his job mm. and then she's on top of him stabbing downwards. Mm-hmm. But we don't know, you know, is was she actually there? Did it actually happen this way? Is this a part of the TV show? Because exactly. again, she's a killer in the TV show. Mm, part
2: mm-hmm. of this is the TV show because exactly. it, it will it will yeah. pull out and it'll yeah. be uh-huh. there.
0: I think it's supposed to give you that feeling like, you know, the the red Blue and green lights are like gels on lights on a stage. But what it really is, is it's a projector. But it is it is supposed to give you that feeling of she's just on a s- stage. She's just filming for the TV show.
2: And I love the music that's playing here. It gets really like, na-na-na, na-na-na. I'm not
0: doing a
2: good job of it, but it's very good. And sure, it's in the trailers.
3: <laughs> there
0: is yes. choral music in this that's really unsettling that yes. plays throughout the movie. And it's just, like, but nonsense gibberish playing. When yeah. she's
2: stabbing, it, it kind of ramps up, and it's really... I thought it was very uh, well done. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes... Because, especially since all the different images, you're like, I don't even know what's happening, and then mm-hmm. this music is playing. And I think they do an excellent job of making you on the edge of your seat mm-hmm. for a cartoon movie that's very, yeah. very impressive.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Now, one thing here that happens that they just never bring
3: up again, she finds bloody clothes in her closet.
0: Yes. It never becomes an issue.
3: I think it's supposed to, obviously, you know, it's planted there or, you know, maybe she did it. But I think it's just supposed to continue to set her off about her fracturing of identity. And whether she's actually doing it or not.
0: Yes. It could have been planted by Rumi. It could have been actually her. And that's why she has it. We just don't know. Because the circumstances of this murder of the photographer is that somebody who we originally think is a man, but we can't see their face, is delivering something to him, like food.
3: It's like a pizza guy. A pizza.
0: Yes, it's... It's um, so a pornographic. I forget what it says on the on the pizza box, like big body or whatever. <laughs> and that stabs him in the eye there, that's another stabbing thing, and he falls back and down on the ground in front of the projector, and that's where he gets stabbed a bunch, and that's where it's revealed that it's been Mima, but still we can't rely on that. But it's those delivery person clothes that are that fall out of her closet. Mm-hmm.
2: But you did you said something that I thought was super interesting. So you're saying that it's a possibility that she did commit
3: a murder? Yes. Do you agree? I, I think that possibility is there.
0: Like I don't think that's the case. <laughs> but I think that possibility definitely is there. But I think there's definitely an argument to be made that, uh, and we'll get there towards the end, that she is homicidal.
3: Do you agree? You're talking about Mima. Yes. Oh, I don't know. We'll talk about or at that least at the, the
0: Mima that we know.
3: Um, I disagree. I don't think that we'll she get is. There. We'll yeah. Get there. Okay. Until the end, I'm like, what? What part are you talking about? Would that would indicate that? <laughs>
2: Okay. Uh, meanwhile, those dudes who'd help us understand what's going on with the public perception explain that there's rumors of a love triangle, people are wondering if she's cursed, people think it's going to happen in threes so someone else is going to die, etc., etc., etc. They're finally doing the final scene of the show and she can't tell what's real or not. She's like, she even says her own name when she's talking to the doctor?" But then when you see it In the playback, Mm -hmm. you see that she used the name in the film. Mm -hmm. So it's like, at this point, there's no way to know what's real and what's not real.
0: Yeah. We have an unreliable narrator here. But it does that sort of, like, psycho thing at the end where she's in an interrogation room... And they're talking about her. The psychiatrist is there explaining she has split personalities and etc. Yeah, et cetera. So this could be it's the plot line in the in the TV show. And it could accurately be describing what's going on in Mima. But we don't know yet.
2: Yoko Takakura, the original persona, is nothing more than a made up character in a drama for her. Being a normal girl, how she was raped in a strip club, everything happened as a part of her own drama series. By doing this, she salvaged her own heart. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, she's so far gone that when she sees the actress, she starts talking to her as if she's her doctor and she's like, what are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) We we don't have to, you know, just use my real name. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile,
3: who shows up? Talking about the, the, yeah, the creeper guy. (laughs) Creeper. Yeah. Ready, ready to play out that rape scene, apparently.
0: <laughs> yes, so they're on that stage, and they're there. It's late. Rumi and Tadakoro are waiting for her in Though the Tadakoro garage. Tadakoro
2: has left.
0: He, he Rumi, eventually leaves. Yeah,
2: because Rumi's like,
5: you can go. I'll yeah, wait.
0: I'll wait for her. We'll
5: drive over there <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh.
0: And so, yeah, he, you're right. He does leave eventually. And then Rumi, in quotes, goes to look for Mima. But Mima... Ends up getting chased by Mimania. He's like, You're not the real Mima, you're an imposter. I am talking to the real Mima, and she told me to get rid of you, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. But first I'm gonna have a little fun. And you're like, man.
3: (laughs) It's like you should (laughs) have Yeah,
0: you could have just killed her. And then it's like, yeah, you're you're nuts, but you're committed. And now you're like, oh now you gotta rape this person. Like, come on.
2: But She ends up getting him off of her, which is great.
0: Yes, he's struggling with his pants and his belt, and she's able to knock the screwdriver or knife, I can't remember what it is in this scene, Mm -hmm. away from him Mm -hmm. and and get away. But then he catches her again, and he puts himself inside her panties. So, like, they're at the... Wait. (laughs) He's pulled them down there at the end of her feet, oh. and then he's put himself in between her legs with her panties behind him, almost so like I did not catch. <laughs> trapping her.
2: And that's when
3: she just goes
0: whack and hits him with a hammer.
3: <laughs> so in the Japanese version, what does his voice sound like?
0: It it sounds like a uh, this is gonna it sounds like a stereotypical nerd Japanese mm-hmm. nerd okay,
3: style. Okay, yeah, because in the English version, like. His voice is kind of like kind of weaselly and yes. like kind of high. Yes. And you're like, oh, yes. kind of, I felt like it kind of undermined how serious the situation was.
0: I think it's supposed to almost. In like a way. he's
3: not really that serious of a threat, especially in the way he sounds. Obviously, he, he's trying yes. to like, you know, hurt her and stuff. But it's like, oh, you know, this thing that's probably been mm-hmm. building up for so long is not really that threatening
0: but i mean the the maniacal fans in idol culture like you know exactly. it's, that's that's the way they cast him oh he's this big imposing scary figure then he opens his mouth and it's like oh you're you're just one of these dorks but he's a serious actual threat yeah uh, so it's it's telling you two different things like i think it, you're right it is kind of undermining him as a threat almost like to harm the image of these people that are like you know, idol fans. you're just a bunch of dorks. But then also telling everyone else that, like, they can snap and be serious threats. No, 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 damn it! You didn't know I was Mimania! You're just pretending to be
1: Mimarin!
2: She hits him over the head with the hammer. And so we're all pretty sure he's dead. <laughs> and she apparently goes and gets dressed.
0: She puts her <laughs> clothes on <laughs> and she goes She goes looking for somebody. She's banging on a door when Rumi finds her. I've been looking for you all night. Where have you been? Oh my God, what happened? And Mima's like, I was attacked. I was nearly raped. And she brings her into that room. He's gone. He is not there. And to the audience, we're like, well, either she hallucinated it or he's not really dead. Mm-hmm. The real answer is neither of those things. mm
3: <laughs> I think when she hit him with the hammer, like the sound effect that I heard is kind of like, think, like he falls over, but it then doesn't sound like he died. Yeah.
0: Whether or not he actually dies by her hand is kind of not important. He dead.
3: (laughs) You see, he's literally stabbed and that stab looks different from how he looked before Mimo left. I didn't notice that he was stabbed later. Yeah. He has like a bloody thing around his face, kind of similar to, to the other murder victims.
2: But so, uh, Rumi says, you must have been dreaming, so let's just go home. Oh, oh no, she does not say let's go home. She says-
3: Let's go to Mima's room.
2: I'm taking you to Mima's room.
0: hmm And Where? she's like, huh. But she's too out of it to, like, worry about Sorry, why it. why
2: would you call my house that? But yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and what does she find when she gets there?
0: Mima's room. Yeah, yeah, she's she's in her room again, but it's all chammed out still.
3: Cham. Yeah. Cham- fish are alive.
0: <laughs> but, 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 this is the kicker. The fish are like neon tetra or something. They are not goldfish like she had. And that, like, wait a minute, this isn't my fucking room. <laughs> These aren't my fish. Something's going on here. Yeah, Rooney, what's are going on? on the fish. Yeah, uh-huh. And what does she find? She finds the dead bodies of both Mimania and Tarakoro.
3: She does? I don't yes, know that.
0: <laughs> they are together now and they're both dead. And that's when Cham Mima comes in, and but something's not quite right. Explains, I had to do this. I we, you know, you're, you're supposed to be pure, blah, blah, blah. The whole given the whole speech. And if you're paying attention, you see it before Mima does. The reflection Mm. in the mirror is not the same as what Mima is seeing.
2: Yeah. And uh, Rumi starts to sing. (laughs) This is a joke, isn't it, Rumi? Your heart goes thump, 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 thump when you're in love. But then it pays off, pays off when you're loved back. What do you think? perfect huh after all i am a pop idol and a pop idol has
0: to sing what well, it, it turns out that when once she sees the thing in the reflection she sees that that's not something's not right and she is able to decipher that no it's actually rumi in that outfit which she does not fit in it's, it's also a little bit different red. it is yes. it is 100% red Maybe it's not said but maybe this is Rumi's actual outfit from when from her idol days. Mm. But we don't know that. We never actually see Mima in an outfit that looks like this, I don't think. No. Yeah.
3: Well, it's similar. It is. Yeah, it has a little fluffy
0: Yes, but it's all 100% red. Again, being the the color of choice for this movie. Mm. So what what happens now that she's figured out that Rumi is her?
2: Well, I really love Mima's reaction. Rumi why? <laughs> this is a joke, right? Please stop. I, I, just, I love her responses. She's just trying to reason with Rumi. And Rumi's like, Rumi? Rumi went home.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's like, Rumi? And she she has to think about it for a second. Because that's not jibing with her mania right now, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's, she needs to come up with a reason why she's not Rumi. Oh, she must be asking about Rumi. Not talking about me. <laughs> so, oh yeah, Rumi went home. That's what it is. Rumi went home. Okay, yeah.
5: Rumi, why are you? Hmm? Why is Rumi? Rumi.
2: Oh, oh it's okay. Rumi, Rumi went, went home. She
3: attacks her with an ice pick. <laughs> yeah, a lot of sharp, pointy objects. Yes. yes. Uh huh. Weapon of choice.
2: <laughs> she. Yeah, maybe she's mad at the world for seeing. Things that are not pure and wonderful and light. And I love that when she knocks the ice pick out of her hand, what weapon does she choose after that?
3: Are you talking about the mirror?
2: That's, that's Black Swan.
0: No, no well, it's there. the window.
2: Oh, that's later. Oh, okay. What does she yeah. get when the ice pick Oh, an umbrella. Out yes!
0: <laughs> yeah, she starts swinging an umbrella at her.
3: Another fallop object. Uh, yes!
0: They're, they're running across rooftop ledges and everything, and they end up falling off of one into a bunch of trash. And Mima's screaming the entire time, help me, help me. She's coming for me. And it's interesting because we can see the cham Mima bounding along like we've seen her do in the past, just chasing after her like Pepe Le Pew. (laughs) But then when you see her, her reflection, we can see it's actually roomy and she's running for her life. She's out of breath. She's holding that umbrella. (laughs) You know, we got the cute little fake. Cham version that's do 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 just I'm gonna get you. But then you see the reflection in this roomy just like murderous rampage. <laughs> I,
2: yeah, I love that. I um, Once I saw a photo shoot of people who did it, I know it's kind of awful, but like, <laughs> they had a photo shoot of the one perfect, and then they had Roomie next to her. And I, like, I love that idea, because it's it ties into the reflection mm. theme of the whole film, but I just love it. <laughs> What sets Rumi off? What stops Rumi's rampage? Do
3: you remember? You mean right before Mm
2: -hmm. their chase? No, no, no. At the end. What stops her from being Mima for a minute? When she knocks off her wig.
3: Oh
0: Oh, right, yes, yes, yes.
4: yes, yes. (laughs)
3: Although her hair is not that much shorter than what
0: Mima's hair is. No, but Mima's hair has this like wave to it Mm. and it kicks out at the ends. Uh, whereas Rumi's is kind of straight and lifeless. The <laughs> way to put it.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so when she knocks off the wig, that's when Rumi, oh, fuck, that means it's me and it can't be me. And so she runs into the street mm. and she's like, oh, thank God, I'm going to give my big final bow to this oncoming truck. But Mima's like, no, fuck you. I'm not taking the blame for all these deaths. <laughs> your ass is getting saved, and everyone is going to know that you did it. Yeah, so... You need to think about that, guys. Before you kill your killer, consider, <laughs> is there a way to subdue them? Because that way you know, everyone knows you didn't do it.
0: But now they've both been stabbed. With the window. Well, so yeah, she got she got stabbed with, with the shard of the window. Black <clears throat> swan. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, when she goes chasing after the wig, she lands on... It's gruesome. The blood just comes all gushing out and all that.
3: And it's not Mimo's fault. Rumi fell into it. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes, very much. Very much so.
2: And how does it end? Where is Rumi?
3: So Rumi is now in some sort of, like, mental hospice care and... Mima has come to visit her, and Rumi's still kind of lost in her delusion. She's holding these flowers, and she refers to herself. And you even see that when she looks in her mirror, she still sees herself as Rin. And then the real Mima... There, there's some comments, like, around the staff where she's like, oh, it's her. So it's like an indication that she's probably pretty successful now. Yeah, oh my yes. god, is that
0: Mima? What's what's her name? Kiragoe or whatever her last name <laughs> is? Oh my god, is that really... Why would she be here? <laughs> I mean, yes. she's like... You know, gets into her car, and it's
3: like bright and sunny, and it's like an uplifting 90s pop jam. As She looks in the mirror, and...
0: What does she say in the English one?
3: The English one is just like...
0: Oh, there could be only one Mima or something like that? No,
3: it, it says like, oh, I'm the real thing.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm the real one is what she says. That's the way it's translated to the original Japanese text. So here is why the Japanese version has something that the English one does not, right here at the very end. The very last line of the movie, I didn't notice until I'm looking up and I'm seeing, oh yeah, here's differences between the the English and the Japanese version. I didn't notice this either, but the line, I'm the real one, is spoken by the voice actress who played Rumi, not the voice actress who played Mima, In the American translation, the translators didn't notice this, and they just had the actress who played Mima deliver that last line. And also, somebody points out, and I don't know how clear this is, but the reflection of her hair in the mirror ends with straight hair, not with the curved, flipped-out hair. Mm -hmm. Implying that Rumi is the one who's outside the psychiatric ward, not Mima.
2: But we saw Rumi inside the hospital.
0: We saw what, in quotes, Mima saw.
3: That doesn't make sense.
0: She's insane. Why would it make
3: sense? (laughs) I guess, like, if you were to go with with that, it's like her driving off into the sunset could still be a delusion of her. She could be in that mental
0: institution. Very much so. But
3: she's like, I'm going to drive off and have fun in my mind.
0: Yeah. And she's fully now believes she's locked in. Like the time when Mima asked... Rumi, and she didn't know how to respond to that, or when she lost her wig and she freaked out about that, she's fully locked in now at this point. And she 100% believes that she's-
2: Well, no, they do say occasionally Rumi comes out. They said that. Mm -hmm. The doctor did. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, but the doctor who was talking to who- (laughs)
2: I don't like it. I like like the version that we got. (laughs) That makes sense.
0: (laughs) Throughout the movie, we're we're shown time and time again that just because characters see something doesn't mean it actually happens that way.
3: How do you feel about this? You know, thinking about that and, like, the way it abruptly ends with, like, an upbeat pop song, Uh like, I think it goes in line with, like, this could still be part of Rumi's delusion. Yeah. Like, it maybe... At the end, we don't even really know what happens to Mima. Like, maybe she's not that, like, yeah. super successful person to
0: visit. Maybe Mima's dead.
2: But I wouldn't read too much into the Japanese uh, pop song, because we've seen a lot of Japanese horror movies, and they do that, and we don't <laughs> know why. Remember the end of The Ring?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it <laughs> it was a pop just, like, really song, and you're like, song.
2: what is this doing in here? <laughs> but yeah. It's I like mean, how
0: American movies in the 2000s ended with you know, metal, pop metal you know, songs. Anyway. It's like, we
3: gotta get the kids back into <laughs> it. Also, she says like, oh, I'm the real thing, in like a really sassy way uh-huh. as opposed to, eh, I don't know if Mima has that potential, but it's, it felt
0: very like, stagey, I guess. Well, to us, to us, it felt like uh, in the version we saw, I should say, to me it felt like it was very um, like, commercially Mm-mm, Yes. Like, you know, she might put up a peace sign or right? <laughs> I'm the real thing. Coca-Cola.
2: Uh, okay, I don't like that ending, but I. <laughs> s- but uh,
0: I think there's enough here that it's just throwing suggestions at you, yeah. and it's not supposed to be clear what reality
3: is. Well, I liked my clear happy ending.
0: <laughs> well, like I guess it's it's a perfectly reasonable interpretation of it. Uh,
3: it's kind of like the ending of Inception: is the top spinning or winding down?
0: You're right. You're right. <laughs> So.
3: That
2: made me very angry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. So, uh, any...
2: Any lightning round thoughts you'd like to get oh, in here round before round. we move on to our next movie?
3: I think a final thought for per- Perfect Blue is this movie can easily be replicated like in live action, kind of like it does in Black Swan. But the very way so. Satoshi Kon like, animates it is like, oh, this could only have been an animated feature. The way the like cognitive dissonance of the memories and her the illusions, how it's like so difficult to tell is like an attribute that Mm -hmm. really can only be conveyed very successfully and seamlessly with animation.
0: Aronofsky will try in black Swan. and I'll try to point those out, but he's kind of abandoned the idea of just straight up remaking it. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. So instead he used those ideas that he owns for this.
3: Which is probably for the best. Mm -hmm. Like you don't want to just totally adapt it. Like, Maybe it's a little bit derivative, but it's still a very original work.
0: Interestingly, it was originally supposed to be live action. uh, But they lost investors. And they're like, well, I guess we'll have to do it animated. Mm -hmm. And they ended up making a very impressive animated
2: movie. Yeah, ultimately, I think this movie is excellent. That's why when I saw it, I immediately... Made my own version of the Cham costume, <laughs> and I wore it for Halloween that year. Oh. And um, yeah, so we've shared that on Twitter. If you want to see it, yeah, if you're
0: if you're following us on Twitter, you've already seen this.
2: So, but you can't see my head, and that was me ten years ago. People, <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie is fantastic. I think it does a, an excellent job uh, both with the animation. I love the style of it. I love the colors. I love. The lines, I mean, there's a lot of kind of straight lines going on, and I appreciated that. I thought it was very pretty to look at. And then on top of that, just the story itself is fantastic, and he told it, like you said, beautifully. If they were to do it in live action, I imagine that all those moments of her seeing herself, like, yeah, you can make her look like she's light and ethereal Mm -hmm. with CG, but it's going to be CG, and you're going to be able to tell. And you could just have her there, but then it doesn't have that effect. And so it's like, I think, I think you're right. I think that doing it in anime was a great. Apparently they didn't want to do it that way, but it was a great situation. Well, not originally,
0: that wasn't the plan, but Mm -hmm. yeah, it just turned out that way.
2: I will say this, they did turn it into a live action film, which by all accounts is awful.
0: Oh, (laughs) is it? I I didn't know that
2: never seen it.
0: There's actually a sequel to the book too. So the the original book is called Perfect Blue Complete Metamorphosis. Mm. And in 95, Yoshikazu Takeuchi made Perfect Blue Awaken from a Dream, mm. which I don't know, has it been adapted? Maybe that's, I don't know. I'm
2: curious how the end of the book... Haven't read it. (laughs) Does it end with
3: Rumi saying it? Or does it end with Mima saying it? Well, it's text, so it could be from anybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. They're different mediums and they would have different tools, I think, to make it unclear.
2: Have you ever seen Requiem for a Dream?
0: No, I have not.
2: Oh. Well, okay then. (laughs) Do you remember a scene, a particular scene from Perfect Blue where she is in a bathtub? Mm. Yeah. And do you remember what she does? She screams. Yes. So she's hunched over in the water and she screams. And that is the scene that Aronofsky bought the rights for the entire film just for that scene. Well,
0: I think he was eventually intending to remake the movie. It just never happened. Okay. But he, since he owned it, he used it in Requiem mm. for a Dream. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: Yes. It's when a female character is having a mental breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Imagine she, that. <laughs> it's the same
0: thing. Shot from above. She's mm. in the bathtub, hunched over, and then the camera's under the water. Mm. She's completely blank-faced until she screams and all the bubbles come out. And, mm. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. So, Never tried to scream underwater. I imagine that would be difficult.
0: Really? Do. Never like in a pool or anything like that? I
3: don't I mean, know how to swim, so I just avoid that situation.
0: <laughs> you don't I know how to swim? <laughs> I didn't know how to swim until I was like 12. I didn't have any pools or anything. I'm much yet. older than that, but yeah. <laughs> well, no. What I mean is if, if my mom wasn't like, you're 12, you need to learn how to swim. You're going to Biola and you're learning how to swim <laughs> – I never would have learned.
3: You know, I took swimming lessons. They just didn't really sink in. I guess. I, I feel you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there.
3: But,
2: Sorry for all the puns. <laughs> but what you're saying is that you don't, you don't, you don't sink when you get in the water. You know how to dog paddle and stuff, right?
0: Uh, it's been a while since I've. Yeah, died. she wouldn't know. <laughs> Hesitant to test. You know,
3: I prefer the safety of floating. <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: So. What do you guys think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? So how many reviewers, what percentage-wise, had, had a positive perception of the film?
3: So since I rented it, like they have the little indicator. Yeah, in it. So,
0: mm-hmm. I was worried about that. No, you don't
3: get to guess. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it was, but I have a ballpark number.
0: Kelsey, you guess first and yeah. then we'll hear that.
3: I would guess this is an 83. I believe I saw that it was a
0: 78. It is a 78,
3: <laughs> which I think is kind of low.
0: <laughs> yes, it it does not have a metacritic or a cinema score, but the consensus statement on Rotten Tomatoes is Perfect Blue is gasp over-stylized, <laughs> but its core mystery is always compelling as are the visual theatrics. It is very stylized, but I would hesitate to call it I love that stylized. style. That's not yeah. a con. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a
3: Toshi con. <laughs> so that was
0: really good. <laughs> so, over, underrated is what you're saying.
3: Oh, yeah, totally. Underrated. Okay,
0: underrated. What would you guys give it?
2: I'm going to say this one first because, Eileen, I really want to hear what you have to say and I want to ask you questions about it. So, I'm just going to say really quickly, I think this deserves a 95.
0: Okay, Eileen.
3: Considering I've seen, like, all of his other movies, and, you know, this is a really amazing debut film, I would give it an 85%. Just because I think it's a little bit rough, but it is a really solid film. But he explores very similar themes in, like, Millennium Actress, Paprika, and I think he does it, like, a little bit better in those. Yeah, this is
0: early, Satoshi.
3: How so? I just think the way the story flows is a little bit clunky. Like, I think it works really well with how visceral... Uh, you experience her emotions. But I just think in, like, Millennium Actress and Paprika and, like, all those other films, I think the exploration of the themes is a little bit deeper, I guess. Oh, okay. And, like, the characters are more fleshed out. And in Perfect Blue, like, the characters are a little tropey. Like, they're not fully explored. It's more about the premise and the mystery mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, the character development and how you see them, I guess.
2: That's really interesting. I've never seen any of his other movies. Mm. So I've seen the sh- I've seen that show...
3: Pernora Agent?
2: No, Jojo's. Oh, Jojo's Adventure. I've seen that, but I haven't seen any of his other movies. So now that you've said that, so because I love Perfect Blue, you think I should definitely see
3: Paprika? I think so. I think Paprika is really good. It is more on the over-stylization part, because it is like crazy dream-like imagery. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you like like the actress stuff and like the identity, uh, Millennium actress'es way go. It's not a horror film. It's more of like a nostalgic memoir piece, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, the Paranoia Agent, which was a TV show that Satoshi Kon did, explores the ideas of theme and, like,
0: personas really, really well.
5: Okay. I'll have to watch that then. Mm-hmm.
0: I was thinking about this, and I didn't know what I wanted to give it. I'm surprised you gave it a 95.
2: I think it's an outstanding movie. So do I. Which is making me like, <laughs> oh my god, what am I missing out on? Oh, no, yeah, it's amazing movie. <laughs> <Well, laughs>
3: I, I
0: think I this, the oeuvre. This has, <laughs> this has the added element of being a... Psychological Thriller, which I think is kind of your wheelhouse when it comes to horror games. Mm -hmm. So, mine too, I think. So, I would put it... Oh, man. Um, I'm going to give it a 92. I'm going to give it a 92.
3: So, why... just a little bit below Kelsey. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, a lot of this is just what feels right at the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it just – 95 just struck me as being too high for my mm. personal opinion. But I knew I wanted it to be at least a 90. Mm. So –
3: Not an A-, minus. A-.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah. No, she
3: doesn't think of it that way. You and I think of it
2: that way, which is why when, like – I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Does this deserve a 60 or is it 59? I just don't know. And he's like, what's the
3: difference? And I'm like, you don't know the difference. (laughs) It's like, it's a D or it's an F.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this will probably end up on our best of the year list at the end.
3: Um, I think it's such a fantastic movie. I I just love it. Yeah, it does things so well. And very succinctly, because it's only like an hour and twenty minutes. Yes, yeah,
2: uh-huh. and we, I we have
0: I, talked longer than the movie is.
2: <laughs> and I appreciate a movie that knows how to tell its story without padding and fluff. Mm-hmm.
0: All right? right. So before we move on to our next movie horror trivia,
2: got a tougher question for you this oh, it's time. Still me. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> what brand of doll did Charles Lee Ray possess in the Child's Play movies?
3: The brand. Mm-hmm. I wish I remembered what the name is. My roommate Steve like hates child's play because he has like a fear of living dolls. So I feel like so I, I should know it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a real brand, right? That that's it is not. It is not. Oh. oh so it it's is like
0: modeled a... after a real brand. It, it is among other things, it is modeled after the my buddy line of dolls. But that is not mm. what it's called in the movie.
3: Okay, so it's asking what is it called in the
0: movie? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh
3: I have no idea. Yeah. Chucky, my friend. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I don't remember. What is it?
2: A good guy's doll.
0: Good guys, yes. Good guys. Good guys, doll. Yeah.
3: Good guys. Is the good guy the kid or is, the, is Chucky the good guy?
0: I think all the kids who like Chucky or the I other think, various yeah. they're all the good guys.
3: All the good guys.
5: Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. This one is going to be much easier than the last <laughs> one, but sticking with the theme of color theory in film... What is the primary metaphor color in Black Swan?
3: Is it black? It is! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Believe it or not, it's really the, it's a transition from white to black. It's yeah, a, I was going to say, so it's kind
2: of white and black. And, and, that's and, kind but, of the point. <laughs> but also
0: gray in the middle there, too. So, They're really yeah. the same mm-hmm.
3: color, so... <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so that leads us nicely into our next film, 2010's Black Swan... Story and screenplay by Andres Hines, with additional screenplay credit for John J. McLaughlin and Mark Heyman. Uh, So originally, this was a script called The Understudy, and it was actually about theater and not ballet. Uh, And then Aronofsky bought the script with the specific intent of changing it to ballet. (laughs) And so he hired... John J. McLaughlin to rewrite the script with ballet in mind. And then that script was rewritten by Mark Heyman. (laughs) So three authors here. And it started out as a completely different unrelated script had nothing to do with Perfect Blue, but a lot of the similar themes and that sort of stuff. So directed by Darren Aronofsky, starring Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, Vincent Cassell, and Barbara Hershey. What is Black Swan about?
3: Black Swan is about Nina, who is
0: a rising star at I'm sorry, a ballet did you company. say Mima? <laughs> it
3: did sound like you said Nina. No, no, she said
0: Nina. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's one of the similarities. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: Nina, Mima, you know, same movie. Uh-huh.
0: But uh, she is
3: just a ballet dancer at a company who is wanting to become the new prima donna. Is that what that is called?
2: Prima ballerina. Prima ballerina. Yeah,
3: uh-huh. um, prima donna is... Oh, okay. Because they're adapting a new version of Swan Lake and she wants to become the Swan Queen, Mm -hmm. but she is very insecure and frigid. So she is perfect for the White Swan, who is fragile and pure, but not necessarily for the Black Swan role that needs to be seductive and free. The movie is about her dealing with those two identities and being comfortable becoming the Black Swan, but also there's Mila is his character who seems like a potential Black Swan candidate?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Are we noticing the similarities already? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah similarities abound <laughs>
0: very much so they don't get it twisted. they are two different movies with different plots and things like that but there are a lot of the same elements a lot of the same themes of you know like we talked about identity and all of that uh, are explored in both of them and similar tactics are
2: used. Mm. It's funny because I was talking to Chris before you got here. And I was saying that you know it's funny because they're both completely about self discovery, mm-hmm. but Perfect Blue is actual self discovery, whereas Black Swan is mostly sexual discovery. But like a sexual
3: awakening, yeah, yeah sexual
2: uh, awakening. But Crystal's like, it's I don't remember what you said,
3: <laughs> but I liked what you said. <laughs>
0: I'm trying. I'm struggling with what, with remembering what I said. Um, It's something to the effect of that that is kind of a form of like she is blossoming from being a repressed childhood figure Mm -mm. by being repressed by her mom. And, you know, a lot of those people that do those really strenuous physical activities find that their puberty is delayed and that sort of stuff. But there she is basically a child and she's in her 20s -hmm. and it's her breaking that and becoming a woman. But like. All at once, mm-hmm. and that breaking her psyche as well, along it, with it.
2: It's just interesting that Black Swan, her sexual awakening is for the most part a pleasurable experience, whereas in Mima's, yeah, it takes the it takes place through the
4: a only rape sex scene is rape. and yeah, then right.
2: an actual attempt at rape. You know, uh, so it's like it's almost like she had to go through Mima Rin had to go through worse things. To come out happy, whereas Nina had to go through bad things, but also at the same time, good things. Uh, but then her ending is not so happy.
3: Yeah, because in Perfect Blue, it's more about like her dealing with being objectified and then becoming a real person. Or yes. realizing that she's not this object or this mm-hmm. persona that people perceive her as. Whereas, yeah, in Black Swan, it's about her realizing that she doesn't need to be so restrained. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of metamorphosis. But it's still, it's this sort of like, you know, feminine reality that you have to deal with. So the movie is $4 to rent and $15 to buy on most services. This is another one that I have on Blu-ray, but I ended up buying digitally as well because I love it so much. Should people watch Black Swan?
3: Yes. (laughs) Even though we've been talking a lot about how, you know, Perfect Blue and Black Swan is really similar. It's very much still its own movie. And, um, you know, there's some really amazing performances in it from Natalie Portman.
0: Oh, she's she won Best Actress, uh, Academy Awards, Golden Globes. Like, she swept the category. Like, I think everywhere she was nominated, she won. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, Mila Kunis is really good in it as well. And, like, the imagery is different from Perfect Blue, but I also think it's a very well-constructed, like, cinematic movie. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, absolutely see Black Swan.
0: Yeah, 100%. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's an intense movie. There's a lot of intense stuff going Blue. on.
2: Yes, Perfect Blue is not very scary, but it's thrilling. Mm-hmm. It puts you on the edge of your
0: seat. There's murder and, and <laughs> gore and yeah. But uh, yeah, no, this is... This even goes some metaphysical places that Perfect Blue does not. We'll get there. You can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 2010's Black Swan.
5: I had the craziest dream last night about a girl who was turned into a swan. But her prince falls for the wrong girl, and she kills herself. He promised to feature me more this season. Well, he should. You've been there long enough. And you're the most dedicated dancer in the company.
0: Our new swan queen, the exquisite Nina Sayers.
5: Oh, Lily. You're going to be amazing.
0: I Watch the way she moves. Sensual. She's not faking it. Seduces! Attack it! Attack it! Come on!
5: Where'd you get these? It's nothing.
0: You sweet girl. Feel my touch. Respond to it.
5: So much hot for teacher. I don't want to talk about that. We really need to relax. It's the role, isn't it? It's all this pressure. I knew it'd be too much. I knew it. What's she doing here? He made me your alternate.
1: The only person standing in your way is you.
5: my ways.
4: She's after
0: me. Nobody's after you.
4: Please
5: believe me. Sweet girl. Sweet girl. girl. What happened to my sweet girl? She's gone!
1: Director Darren Aronofsky soars to new heights with Black Swan. It's a masterpiece. Black Swan rated R. In select theaters December
0: 10th. Kelsey, can you get us started? How does Black Swan begin? With a dream.
2: She is dreaming, Nina, our main character, played by Natalie Portman, is dreaming of playing the part of the Swan Queen, and it is beautiful dancing, and the white swan is being stalked by the black swan, and then she wakes up.
0: So let's get this out of the way. It was a controversy when the movie came out on home video, the dance double for Natalie Portman was doing interviews saying that she was asked by the studio not to do interviews before the before award season because it might give the impression that Natalie Portman didn't do all the dancing and she didn't do all the dancing but it seemed like this sort of like thing where Sarah Lane is like that's my body they just put her face on mine and yes they did do that sometimes of course her husband Natalie Portman's husband who is the choreographer on this film and who plays the prince character in the movie. They met on this film and that's that's how they got engaged. He says no, she's like 85% of, of all the dance scenes in here is actually Natalie Portman. Darren Aronofsky who's a little bit more objective I guess, said he had the editor count shots in the, in the movie and there are 139 dance shots and 111 are Natalie Portman which comes out to be about 80% Natalie Portman and even Mila Kunis was like I mean, yeah, she had a dance double. I had a dance double. Everyone had a dance double for like specific things that are, you know, they're professionals and they're able to do this stuff and we're not. But she did fantastic. Most of this is all her. The reason I'm bringing this up now is not because it's the first scene, but this is the first appearance of Sarah Lane as the dance double when it's just the some of the more difficult on point movements that she has to do especially the one in the very beginning when you can't see her face and then it pans up that is sarah lane that's about 20 something seconds of her but then the rest of it is all natalie portman
2: okay now we've actually come across things like this before specifically uh, the exorcist mm. The little girl playing the part, right? But the voice is done by an older woman to make it that scary, gravelly voice that the exorcist has. You know, the fucking Pazuzu, whatever. Because of that, because another woman did her voice, they think that's why she didn't get the Oscar that year. Oh. Because it came out but that that mm. wasn't part of her performance. And
0: originally she was uncredited and agreed to an uncredited appearance. And then after the fact was like, no, that was really difficult. I want to get credit for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was like a whole thing. And... By all means, her, she should get credit for that performance. Sarah Lane should get credit, you know, for her performance. But do we not give an award to Tom Cruise because he had a stunt double in some mm-hmm. scene? Like,
2: Right, so that's what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Do you think, and once you find out that... Tom
0: Cruise is probably not the best example. <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> once you find out that Natalie Portman did 80% of it, but that probably has a sway on your opinion of it. But let's just say that... Natalie only did twenty percent mm-hmm. of the dancing. Do you think that affects the performance at all?
3: Uh, I think, in terms of performance-wise, like I'm not really so focused on her dancing, even though that's part of you know the embodying of the black swan or the white swan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, in my mind, I know that like she can't possibly do all those things. But if the film is making a convincing case that she is doing it, and like when it is like her not dancing. And she's still conveying the character of, like, a torn dancer. Then I don't really... It doesn't really affect... Or I don't see the performance as lesser because I know that she has a stunt double. Right, yeah. I feel the same way.
0: Agreed. And a lot of this is her. A lot of it is a hard is hard work. She, uh, she started training. She did ballet when she was a little kid. Like, 8 to 13 or something like that. She did ballet. But that's all the experience she had with it. And so when she first got the script she started ballet training but the the they had no money and so nobody was paying her to do this but she just you know out of her own pocket paid for her own training oh, and i know Natalie. No, i'm not saying i'm not saying, <laughs> saying boo hoo but it's not like you know how when the production company gives you a personal trainer and all of a sudden you're buff like no she didn't have to do this they had a dance double but she learned, you know, 80% of these moves is actually her. When she actually does get injured, when we see later on there's a physical therapy session, that's really her and it's a real physical therapist and her now husband, father of her child, the choreographer of the movie said you need to go to physical therapy and Darren Aronofsky's like can we film it? And that's what they and they ended up putting that in the movie. It's like mm-hmm. a real physical therapy appointment. She really did a lot for this, and a lot of it came because she felt very strongly about the script. I love Natalie Portman. I know she can sometimes come off, like, stuck up or whatever, but I absolutely love her. (laughs)
2: So, she wakes up and goes to have breakfast with her mother, who she lives with. Remember that she is in her early 20s. Now I know, nowadays that doesn't seem like a big deal. But it's very clear from the get-go, her mother is in charge, and she is the submissive one here. We don't really get to see her room here, but you'll get to see it later. Everything is pink. She's got tons and tons of stuffed animals everywhere. It is very clear that she is being preserving her in her childish state. And she tells her mother, he promised to show me more this year. And her mother says, well, he should. You've been there long enough and you're the most dedicated.
0: Which is not a great compliment.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're not the
3: best, but you work really hard. Exactly.
2: (laughs) But this is just an immediate, the mother keeps her daughter down. Mm -hmm. We know this. Her mom tries to go with her into class, but of course she says no. At the dance company, we hear the girls talking and it's all, it's very clear she is not friends with these people. She is very obviously separated from them and they clearly don't want to talk to her.
0: It's that you know, I mean she's she's a little misperfectionist. She's not mean or rude to anybody but she keeps to herself and these are all the chatty cafes mm-hmm. conversing and she's not really one of them.
3: Two type A4, you know, just yes. the random dancer company. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and they are gossiping about Beth. Beth is played by Winona Ryder, which is an interesting choice since she's barely in the film.
0: She also doesn't dance a single step, and neither does Barbara Hershey.
2: Yeah. Her character, Beth, they say, I can't believe she showed up. You know, she's so old, blah, 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 blah. And Nina, just thinking out loud, says, that's sad. And they go, excuse me, what? What's sad? (laughs) And she's like, well, you yeah, know, she's such a beautiful dancer. And they're just talking about how old she is go she is. And she says, Well, you know, that other apparently some famous dancer mm-hmm. danced into her fifties, and Veronica goes, Yeah, we know. She
5: says, Yeah. He just needs to try something new, that's all. No. Someone new <laughs> Like hey. Like someone who's not approaching menopause. It's sad. What's sad? Beth's such a beautiful dancer. Yeah, so is my
0: grandmother.
5: Well, Fontaine danced into her fifties. Yeah, we know.
0: Veronica was an actual ballet dancer who started acting because she got injured and couldn't dance anymore. The actress. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. But I mean, she, now she's acting, and now she's <laughs> in a movie about ballet. Into this scene backstage comes strutting in Mila Kunis. Not like she owns the place, but like, you know, she's been there before. She's in
2: a hurry because she's late.
0: Right. And she's just like chatting to everyone like she knows them, even though she's never seen these people and they've never seen her. You hear people like, is that the girl from San Francisco? You know, like they're all like, oh my God, is that her? Is that her? And of course, Mila Kunis, she's stunning. But she's also carefree, which is very much not what Natalie Portman is in this movie. And then they're going to the actual rehearsals. But this is like just standard... Ballet practice. They haven't even cast the show yet. So what happens at this?
2: So Toma enters, and Toma is played
3: by Vincent Cassel. Yes, yes. <laughs> good memory. <laughs> so he,
0: I don't know why, but I will always think of him as he's the cat burglar character from Ocean's Twelve, and I hated that movie. Oh, have you guys seen Ocean's Twelve? seen none of those movies.
2: I think I've seen it once. I don't remember anything about it.
0: He's a cat burglar who's like, you know, I'm just as good a thief as the oceans folks, you know, and it's like them versus him. Spoiler alert. They had the thing they were trying to steal the entire fucking movie and the (laughs) entire movie is just them pretending to steal it. It's so dumb. But the one thing I remember from that movie is Vincent Cassell in this role. And so I always think of him as that character.
2: Well, I wish that's what he made me think of. He makes me think of Irreversible.
0: Oh, no. (laughs)
2: Yeah, he's the boyfriend
0: in Irreversible. Oh, no.
2: (laughs) Do you know this movie? No.
0: It's a very traumatizing film.
2: (laughs) It is... Let me put it to you this way. The director set out to make a film that would make its audience physically sick. Okay. There's a nine-minute rape scene. Oh, hot
0: damn. (laughs) And the whole movie plays reverse chronological order, right?
2: Yes. Yes. So you don't find out until the very end that <laughs> so, yeah. she Well, he beats her practically to death. Oh, jeez. Not her boyfriend. Not Cassell. He's at a party getting drunk cause he's an asshole. And she gets raped for nine minutes. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah,
2: Uh And she's pregnant with Cassell's baby And then
0: there's a (laughs) The one that ended up in your power hour Is the shot, the aerial shot The
2: only shot that actually He he successfully makes me feel physically sick
0: It's an aerial shot Straight down on one of those spinning sprinklers mm. that kids are running through, and then the camera starts spinning too, it's a and so bright, it's going like this. Color. And yeah, it's yeah, it's
3: the only moment in
2: the entire film that literally I'm like, I'm gonna vomit, and that's <laughs> what Nate put in my power out.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so Vincent Cassell walks in. He his name is Thomas Thomas Leroy,
2: and everyone immediately gets all dressed to impress because he's the head honcho and they want him to pick them for his new show. So he's explaining, as he's walking around, he's tapping certain girls and he says,
0: We open our season with Swan Lake. Done to death, I know, but not like this. We strip it down, make it visceral and real. A new production needs a new Swan Queen. A fresh face to present to the world. But which of you can embody
1: both swans, the white and the black?
2: Now, I've never seen the ballet. Neither have I. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know how, I imagine that would be difficult to do. You need to have two characters on at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I don't think they're on at the same time. I, no, I think it, it, the fact that it's the same person playing both roles, I don't think that that's the unique part. Okay. Again, I haven't seen it either.
3: Okay. I would have no idea. I guess it's just very difficult to embody such, like, drastically different mm-hmm. characters. And that's
0: the point that they make that we'll get throughout the movie, is that...
3: Right, but I'm saying, if
2: in the real thing, uh-huh. they're supposed to be on a stage at the same time, what did he do for that?
3: Yeah, it um, seemed like a very straightforward production of it when it actually happened, so I don't
0: know. It was It was a little pared down as far as, like, there weren't elaborate sets or anything like that very simple costuming but also when you think of swan when you think of swan lake you think of like the perfect ballet right like you think of ballet you think of you know little little toy women dancing well i can tell you right now that damn song
2: wouldn't get out of my head for forever
0: because of this movie.
2: Dun, 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 oh, dun, dun. it's used to I was like, get out of my head. It is used to
0: such incredible effect in this movie, like so so good. But the point is, is that the way he does it is more like, and that's that's what he's trying to do with the role of the Black Swan. is much more rough. It's it's not perfect. It's intense. It's fiery. It's passionate. It's all the things that Nina is not.
2: And he explains that the girls that he
3: tapped are not going to the audition. He's doing that, like you know, fake out competition yeah, uh-huh. show thing, where like, oh, the ones I ignored, you're in. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. exactly.
0: That includes Nina. It includes Veronica, and it includes Mila Kunis's character. Would do you guys remember her name? I can look it up. Lily. Lily. Yes, Lily.
2: And so later that day, when she's sitting there waiting for the audition, she overhears Winona Ryder. And what is Winona Ryder doing? I mean?
3: She's like having a temper tantrum in her dressing room. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't sure exactly about what I imagine. It's that she's not going to be the lead dancer. They're, they're essentially pushing her out with this new production. So she you know, trashes her dressing room and then she leaves. And then Nina kind of like sneaks in there. To revel in best in space. What it
0: must be like to be the prima ballerina. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And steals her
2: lipstick. Mm-hmm.
0: We find out later that she's done this more than once.
2: Yes, she's a little thief.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A karma for Winona Ryder.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and she's like screaming obscenities and stuff. And when she walks out and she sees Portman, she's just like, what? <laughs> what? It's
4: <That's> pretty good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So at the audition, she does an outstanding job. He comes up to her and he says, If I was just doing White Swan, you'd have it. But I'm not. So here's your chance to show me what you can do for the Black Swan and what happens.
0: She's too composed. She's too perfect.
2: No, what happens?
0: Lily comes in?
2: Yes. Oh. <laughs> Lily ruins her audition oh yeah from Nina's standpoint yes Nina was already not doing a great job uh-huh. but from Nina's standpoint it is all Kunis's fault
0: she already messed up and and then Lily comes in and then she really gets tripped up and so there, he introduces Lily as she come all the way from San Francisco she's here to audition blah 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 and then Nina says should I go again and Tomas says thank you Nina I've seen enough. And so she just picks up her shit and leaves. Devastated.
3: Yeah, she goes in and she, like, to the bathroom and she, like, throws up from stress. Mm -hmm. Although she seems to do this several times. Yeah, I don't know if it's bulimia or if it's just stress. I think it's stress. I think it is.
0: Yeah. But she does it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh
2: Some of us throw up a lot. Yes. And some Uh of us can't control it. (laughs) As she's walking towards the subway, she'll see herself, but ends up being just a random Mm -hmm. person.
0: It's very similar to something we saw in Perfect Blue.
2: Yes, very, very similar. And she comes home, and this is one of the few times that we see why she might want her mom to be around the way that she is. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as she gets home, she can immediately collapse in her mother's arms.
0: She tries to keep a straight face, and as soon as she like says it's fine, and then she feels like, the tears coming, she's just like, oh, mommy, or whatever she says, and just falls into her arms. She's like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, tell me about it, you know. And Barbara Hershey gets to play the, uh, the caring mother, protecting her daughter.
3: Yeah. But she also says something along the lines of, like, oh, you know, you can be, like, one of the side dancers. Yes. Or something already kind of, like, squashing like One her of hopes. the swans,
0: yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Exactly. And later... I don't know if you could hear this, but in the distance, Portman is in her room, and she overhears her mother talking on the phone to yes. Susie, a character who works there, and mm. she, she's explaining that, oh, those girls, they just don't have Beth's magic, and it's like, your daughter yes. right there.
0: Uh-huh. But we will find out throughout the course of the movie that Barbara Hershey was also a ballerina. And that before she could ever hit it big, so she says, she was impregnated by the director and then dropped. And so she chose to raise her daughter instead of pursuing her career. And maybe she, you know, motherhood becomes her new obsession. Her daughter becomes her new obsession. And maybe she kind of blames that on Nina a little bit. And that gives her an excuse to control everything about her life.
2: It doesn't... They don't ever explain what the mother does for a living, though. I don't
3: think she does anything except stays at home and, like, you know, waits on Nina. But then how does she pay for the apartment? There's no way Nina's
2: affording that place.
3: Right. Hmm, That's a good point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know.
2: So I would be, I I think they should have told us what she did for a living. Because that felt very, like, what do you do all day? (laughs) Like, you have to have something.
4: Maybe
0: she works from home. Right. They're living off a ballerina salary and all Nina eats are grapefruit. So.
2: <laughs> but so Nina, I guess when she hears that, kind of trying to show her that she does have that magic, tries to do the same thing that she did at the rehearsal today. I mean, at the audition that day. And she again falls and she tells her mother, I'm going to tell him tomorrow that I did it. I finished the coda." She's like, you're just going to lie? You don't need to lie, like, and it won't convince him anyway. Now, it's so funny because the mom's right. You shouldn't be lying.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: At the same time, you shouldn't be squashing your daughter's dreams
0: either. Yeah. But what is it that, ha- like, why doesn't she finish it? She hurts herself. Is this with the toe?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, she splits her toenail. Ugh, yeah. So
3: gruesome. Like this movie, way more than Perfect Blue. There's just so many moments where I'm like this is just grotesque. Yes, even if it's just like mangling. a lot of body horror. Yeah, yeah. yeah, mangling of the feet, mm-hmm. and that's just part of like a ballerina's life. Exactly. Yeah. All these horrific
2: things that we see happen to her body. It's like no, no. I think the <laughs> <That's> every day.
0: <laughs> the perfect metaphor in this movie is for multiple things. Is the the ballet shoes mm-hmm. scene where. She's taking out the ballet shoes from the packaging and they're brand new. And then it's all the ways that they have to break it and tear it and ruin it in order to get it to function well as ballet slippers. And, you know, that's what you have to. That's it it does that one thing where it's kind of it charts the progress of Nina throughout the movie of like to get her to the transcendent performance that we need from her. She's torn down, Mm -hmm. and she's not the perfect thing that she was when she first came out of the packaging, this thing that she's been trying to retain the whole time. But it's also just ballet in general. Ballet is fucking brutal. It's the most brutal thing ever. And, you know, their feet don't look that great when they (laughs) are doing all that stuff. But as far as the people in the audience, they can't see that you've been hacking at the bottom of your slippers to get the right amount of friction on the stage. All they see is the faraway visual of the beauty of the mm-hmm. art, you know, and they don't see the the up close grit and pain, mm-hmm. you know. So I think that it translates across the whole entire movie to multiple different things.
2: The next day, she does exactly what she told her mother. She goes and tells him that she finished it, and she puts on makeup, which she Beth's does not lipstick.
0: Beth's lipstick, yes.
2: And he tells her, "Well, it doesn't matter. I've already chosen Veronica." And he goes, so he opens the door and she's like, okay. And she goes, to leave, and he shuts it. And he's like, that's it? That's all you're going to do?
0: <laughs> you're not going to try to convince me? I'm
3: not going to fight for it.
0: You know, and at first it's like, you're kind of vacillating between two. Is he just trying to get sex out of her? Is he just trying to get her to, how are you going to convince me? Are you going to fuck me? And then maybe <laughs> I'll give you the part? Like, or is it like, no, really legitimately, do you care about this part or don't you? I don't care about fucking you but are you willing to fuck me? I
3: think
0: it's definitely that. Yeah. uh I think
3: he just really cares about the production. Yeah, I don't think he really wants to sleep with any of the ballerinas.
0: He does kind of like, to your point, there are multiple moments in this movie where he does not take advantage of her when he very much could. Mm -hmm. And because it's more important to get the performance out. But sometimes there's just a little bit of like, I don't trust this guy.
2: Personally... The first time I saw it, I felt that a lot. I felt very uncomfortable with him, and I was just like, he's just a predator. Now that I already knew that was all going to happen, and I saw the film again, I think it's purely about the show.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't
2: think he's attracted to her until the end, Mm -hmm. after she's given the perfect performance. Mm -hmm. Then he wants to have sex with her, and that's why he calls her My Little Princess. Yes. Up until that point... I don't think he's attracted to her. I think he thinks she's like a little kid, and yeah, he's, he's turned off of, by that. Yeah,
3: exactly, I think and you're he, right.
2: he feels the need to like this is what sex is. Welcome <laughs> to adulthood, you know. Like, and I think it's he's looking at her as a student. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. But I that doesn't let him off the hook for me as a villain in this movie.
5: Oh, oh absolutely.
3: No, totally
0: he his goal is to get this perfect transcendent performance out of her, and how he does that, how he does that is by breaking her, physically and emotionally breaking her down. And unfortunately, he cannot recognize that this is really, really bad for her. And he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think makes him the villain. Not because he's trying to seduce her or take advantage of her or anything.
2: Yeah, so he, he force kisses her, basically, and she bites him. And she says, I'm sorry, but it ends up being that bite that cinches it for her he's like
0: oh i see a little bit of that spark that passion in her that's
2: what i want i want that uh-huh. evil in you to come out and so that's
0: his task his task is going to be to draw that out of her mm-hmm.
2: So, the next day, Veronica is talking to the other girls again, and she's she notices Natalie looking at her. But at the same time, she's looking at Natalie. Yes. No, no, no. Very
0: much the case, yes. <laughs> and she's she being a go- mean girl. Yes. Well, you ever, you ever think about that? Like, you're, like, looking, you're just looking off in the distance, and your eyes fall on somebody right as their eyes fall <laughs> on you. And you're like, oh, God, I, I wasn't staring at you, I promise. Uh-huh. Then, like, do you ever think about, hey, they were looking at me, too.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and she whispers, why is she always staring?
0: Oh, she's a total bitch. Yeah.
2: And so Natalie Portman, when when you find out that they've put the stuff up, Natalie Portman says to her congratulations before she's even seen it.
0: And she doesn't even go to see the posting. She just heads off in the other direction. She already knows she didn't get the thing she wanted.
3: And what does Veronica do? Do you remember? Yeah, Veronica circles back and she's like, is this like a joke? Like, why would you say that to me?
0: And Nina's like, what, what are you talking about? And she says like, fuck you or something like that mm. and storms off, right? Mm-hmm. But like- Veronica, did you really not notice genuine surprise in her face when she's like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, I don't
2: care, Veronica. I don't think Veronica cared if she. But meant it wasn't to do like it a on. bitchy.
0: What are you talking about? <laughs> Whatever could you mean? It's like what?
2: No, like I said, I don't think Veronica cares whether or not she actually intended uh, to be mean to her. I think Veronica's just like,
3: "Fuck you." She's just in a mad, bad mood. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah.
0: So what? What actually happened? Nina
3: gets the parts. Yeah. Of the Swan Queen,
0: and everyone congratulates her, and she's genuinely stunned.
2: And she's so excited, and she goes into the bathroom, and she calls her mom to tell her that she got it, and what does she see when she comes out?
0: Oh, she sees whore
3: smeared in in lipstick on the mirror.
0: Yes. Two things. Number one, whore was actually written by Natalie Portman for that scene. Mm. Number two, it's the red lipstick that she took from... Beth. Beth.
2: So, do we think that she did it to herself? I totally think she did it to
5: herself. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Subconsciously. Yeah. I don't think she's like, I'm going to do this so people think that I'm being persecuted. Yeah. No, I don't think, I think subconsciously that's what she thinks about herself for what she did to get the role.
2: I think so too. I don't think it was written on the mirror at all.
0: That That's very possible. That's, mm-hmm. totally that's very, brain. very possible. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Because it we don't get to see what happens with that scene. It just cuts to her being at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was all in her brain. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a weird little part that I didn't understand what they were going to say with it, and I I really don't get it, but it does fit. Later, there's a really creepy scene with all these paintings, Mm. but we see these paintings that her mother has been doing of just Nina, and I guess it's supposed to represent her obsession with her daughter?
0: It seems really blunt, doesn't it?
2: (laughs) It seems weird.
3: I think that scene mirrors what was in Perfect Blue, where Mimania has, like, a bunch of pictures of Mima, like, in his in his room.
2: Oh, I and, like that.
3: Like, you know, the portraits of Nina, they're, they're all kind of terrible.
2: Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is what Natalie's trying to show us through her face. Yeah. Like, I think you could read it as she's creeped out by her mother, but I also think she's like, God, my mom's such... She just terrible pictures
0: of me. <laughs> 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 but, but yes, the the prevailing communication there is that, what are all these paintings of me doing here? This is really weird.
3: Like, this is the only thing in my mom's life is me. Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. I think that's exact, exactly what it's supposed to communicate. And again, it's the most blunt communication in the entire movie,
3: mm-hmm. I think.
2: Exactly. And that's why it felt weird, uh-huh. out of place. But I love your response that he, he took it from Perfect Blue. Mm. I love that. I hadn't thought about that.
0: Yeah. Oh, and the whore on the mirror is the traitor in the fax machine. Mm -mm -mm.
2: She starts to notice something on her back. Eileen, how would you describe that?
3: Uh, It's kind of like Goosebumps, but also like a little rash, and it's like scratched. Like something is bubbling under the surface, like an ingrown hair or something. Yes,
0: but this is a real thing. You know, people have like weird compulsions where they eat or whatever, you know, uh, weird shit. This is called Dermatillomania, or DMT, and it's this obsessive-compulsive scratching
5: mm-hmm. and
0: futzing with your skin.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's a real thing, and at a later point in the movie when Barbara Hershey recognizes it, she, she comments on how she's doing it again. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, this is definitely a thing she's had since her childhood, and I am positive that it stems directly from the abusive mother-daughter relationship yeah. and her, her anxiety of wanting to be perfect
3: mm-hmm. all the time.
0: Yes, absolutely. It's it's stress-induced, 100%.
3: And what does mom come home with? She comes home with a nice cake to congratulate her, but then Nina's like, oh no, I can't have any cake, because it's probably too fattening for her being a ballerina. Mm-hmm. And then her mom just flips out, going 0 to 60, uh-huh. and tries to throw it in the trash.
0: Oh, then this is garbage. <laughs> she goes to like, no, no, mom, I'll eat it. And then she brightens up again oh, good, great, you know.
2: Yeah, a perfect example of manipulation and control. Oh, 100%. And absolutely, and I feel that. I don't know if I've actually said this on the show, probably TMI. I get sick a lot, so the idea of somebody giving me too much food and me just knowing there's no point in me eating this I'm just going to vomit it up, I totally know mm-hmm. that feeling. The next day at the studio, he tells her, I'm excited to, for you to give me some more of that bite. Mm-hmm. So we know that is what uh, caused her to get it. But he's not happy with what he sees. So where does he take her?
0: Takes her to see who? Lily?
3: Yes. Lily dancing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And he basically tells her straight out that, you know how I saw the white swan in you, and if I was only casting for the white swan, it would be you. If I was only casting for the black swan, it would be her. She's
3: not faking it. Yes. Yes.
2: And then he says that it, it may be imprecise, but it's effortless.
0: Yeah. And you can see, she's just dancing, she's just rehearsing, but she's having fun, she's laughing, she bumps into her partner, and they just laugh about it, and it's, you know, she's got this effortless charm to her.
2: She finds out that she'll be staying in Beth's room, and he has, the director has sent her these beautiful flowers, and that is the night of the gala, where she will be introduced.
0: We should probably say that Natalie Portman is the one who got me Kunis the job. Oh. recommended her to Aronofsky because they're friends from before this mm-hmm. and when she found out that she had a dance background similar to hers like when they were little kids they did dance she's like oh I bet she could do it
2: Yeah, cute I know how you feel about this you'd pick Portman would you pick Portman or would you pick Kulis
3: Kulis I'd pick Mila Koonis. Koonis. I think. I think in this movie yeah absolutely
2: <laughs> she's definitely
0: the more attractive one
2: I just think that generally, though. I think mean, she's way more attractive than Natalie Portman. Yeah, you know, it kind of boils down to
3: taste. <laughs> I think they're very different, but I think, yeah. like, Mila Kunis's persona just seems like more fun and free-loving. Even in real life, you know? Sure. <laughs> Chris is a big Portman. Oh, well, I could no, say. I no, mean, I, I
0: mean, since I was pretty young, <laughs> I guess.
3: I'm not, like, saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. What was the role? Was it Princess Amadala?
0: Queen Amadala? Oh, sorry, no. sorry. No, absolutely not. <laughs> It's one of the reasons I hate the prequels is because George Lucas managed to get an absolutely terrible performance out of Natalie Portman. And that takes effort. It's really bad. I don't know, probably...
2: Vice-Chancellor, I do yeah. not see It's the... <laughs> just the way she talks is so bad.
0: I, I suggest a vote of no confidence for Chancellor Valorum.
3: <laughs> Honorable Representatives of the Republic, I come to you under the gravest of circumstances. I will not defer. I've come before you to resolve this attack on our sovereignty now. I was not elected to watch my people suffer and die while you discuss this invasion in a committee. If this body is not capable of action, I suggest new leadership is needed. I move for a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Valorum's leadership.
2: So, he takes Natalie Portman up to the top of the stairs. And this seems fucked. Did you think this was fucked? Uh, yes. I think it's super fucked.
0: It is. To
2: take Natalie Portman up there and then to give a speech to uh-uh. to Beth down there. Yeah. Like
0: that's so right right right, 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 right. If you think about Beth But I don't think he's thinking about Beth. I think he's thinking about Beth in sort of a cursory, hey, she deserves recognition. She is incredible. But he doesn't really care about her. They had a fling, very obviously. And now he's ditching her and the production company is ditching her. But from the production company's perspective, if Beth is leaving, they need to not be talking about Beth. They need to be talking about their new star and selling people on their new star. So it does not make sense to celebrate the woman who's not going to be in your next show. (laughs) So do I think it's fucked? Yes. Is there a business reason why he would behave this way? Absolutely. But that shows where his priorities lie.
2: Mm -hmm. I would have brought up both of the women.
0: Well, he did. Oh, you mean physically brought up? Physically. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's putting too much emphasis on Beth. The whole point is, it's a passing of the torch. This is our new...
2: But it's just, it's it's extremely obvious. They're oh, up yeah. above, she's oh, yeah. down below. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. She's just mingled with the crowd. He's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, thanks. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> but he does say fantastic things about her. Yeah. He is, it's yes. very effusive praise. But it's also like something you'd say. Yeah, it's lip exactly. service. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yes,
2: yeah. And she walks out when he calls her my little princess.
0: Uh-huh.
2: He ends it with a toast to both Beth and Nita and to beauty in general.
0: <laughs> so pretentious.
2: <laughs> and Nina is very, as we've said, she gets stomach knots and so she goes and vomits again. And in the bathroom, do you remember what she does? Oh. Yeah.
3: What?
0: You don't remember this? She picks at a hangnail. Oh, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. And then
0: pulls it all the way down the oh, length oh, of her yeah. finger. Ha ha! Ha ha! Ha ha! <laughs>
3: If
2: you don't think I think of that every time (laughs) I pull a hangnail, you're wrong.
4: Oh
2: oh
0: my God. I
3: erased it from my mind.
0: (laughs) We just saw Dream Warriors where he pulls out all the ligaments and muscles in the same way down an entire arm. Yeah. This is more fucked up.
2: Because it's real. Because we all get hangnails. And we Uh all know that pain, and we all know, Uh if I just pull it off, it'll be okay.
0: (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Sometimes it goes too far. But sometimes it just goes, and you're like, is it never going (laughs) to (laughs) end? It's interesting that you say how real it is, because it definitely is. That's why it's effective. But in the reality of the movie universe, it's it's not not real. It mm -hmm. didn't actually happen. She washes her hands and then looks at it, and it's completely fine. Yes. And that's when Lily is knocking on the door trying to get in.
2: Lily always interrupting. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And she tries to, when she finally lets Lily in, she tries to like keep her in there and like, hey, stick around with me. We see Lily take off her panties, put them in her bag, and then sit on the sink. Yeah, At first I was like, is she going to pee in the sink? Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) I did not know what was happening. No,
0: I think she's, number one, she is going to pee, but she's not going to pee in the sink. (laughs) She's trying to hang out with Nina, but she's also pre-removing her panties for somebody at this party. Anyway, she tries to like stay, say, stay and hang out. And this is like a girl thing, you know, but it's not like it's not something that a proper innocent girl would Mm -hmm. do. So Nina's like, no, I can't. And she's like, come on, let's just hang out. Let's be friends or whatever. And she's like, excuse me. And she leaves. That's immediately when Tomah finds her and is like, come on, I got to drag you out, introduce you to people.
2: Yes, and he convinces her to come to his place for a drink, but he is called in to speak with somebody, and who creeps up on her?
3: It is Beth. Yes. Yeah.
2: And what does she accuse her of?
3: Beth accuses Nina of doing the same thing that she probably did with Tomah, where it's like, yes. oh, you slept with him, mm-hmm. or whatever, to get this part, and she essentially calls Nina a
0: whore. Yes. Yes. She literally calls <laughs> Nina a whore, I think. I think she says something to the effect of, you slept with him, didn't you? Or something like that. And she She says, says,
2: did you suck his cock? Not all of us have to.
5: (sighs) You fucking whore.
0: Which is is one of the first times that we see her bear her fangs, Mm -hmm. like in her own self-interest against somebody else who she might be deferential to in mm. other circumstances. So
2: Don't you just love it when a biting remark comes out and you didn't mean it to? Because <laughs> you can say, I didn't mean to say that, but it felt so good when you did.
0: <laughs> but Toma comes out and he splits them apart and he calls her his little princess. Beth, that mm. is. And he says, you need to get your shit together.
2: And she says, I'll come by later. I need to talk to you about something.
0: Um, and so we're expecting. Oh God, he's because he asks her where her house is, and oh, the Upper West Side or whatever. And he says, "Well, my place is on the way. Why don't you stop by my house for drinks, like you said?" But you're like, "Oh God, here it is.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, to sleep
0: he- with her, and he's going to take advantage of her." And he
2: immediately says there can't be any boundaries between
0: us, which, red flags, red (laughs) flags all over the place. Here it comes. And he starts asking her about, like, are you a virgin? You know, this is what sex is like. And then he says, I have a little bit of a homework assignment for you. Tonight, when you get home, I want you to pleasure yourself. You know, feel that, you know, make yourself feel good, all that stuff. And then he's like, well, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. I'll see you later. (laughs) And you could say he's just playing the long game, but it's another way that he subverted your expectations mm. when you thought he would be just trying to take advantage of her. Mm.
5: Yeah.
2: Again, I don't think he's attracted to her. I think he looks at her as a child and he's mm. like, how about you go figure it out for yourself, kid? <laughs>
0: like- yeah, which isn't to say that once, <laughs> once he has done the job and she has awakened to her womanhood, that then he wouldn't be interested in her mm. and do the same thing That's to exactly take what of her. he does. Yes. Well... We get to see the start of that.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think she's lying when she says she's not
3: a virgin? I don't think so. Like, she's old enough where she's probably gone through those experiences, but she's probably never really enjoyed it from the sound of it. She's just like, that's just a thing I did. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't really think
0: about it.
2: But now, when did she have a chance to go out and date?
0: Probably another dancer.
5: Yeah. Mm, That makes sense.
0: You know, but I mean, it could go either way, and I don't think it matters. Either she's not a virgin, and she's not very good at it, and didn't enjoy it, or all that stuff, and that's not good. Or she is a virgin, and she feels the need to lie about it, and Mm. that's not good either. So, like, yeah.
2: And I do want to point out that he specifically says, live a little. Because that will come into play later with Mila Kunis' character. Yeah. Okay, so, she gets home, and we get this very uncomfortable scene with her mother... Although, there's a tiny line in here, which I love. Mm-hmm. She's helping her daughter get undressed, which is extremely uncomfortable, but she notices her earrings.
0: Yes. We don't know where she got those earrings from,
2: yet. <laughs> yet. Mm. She
0: says, oh, they're fake. They yeah. look real to me.
2: Yeah, she goes, where'd you get those? She goes, they're not real. And She goes, you could have fooled me. Uh-huh. What does that tell us?
5: Mm.
2: Her mom knows she's a thief. You think so? Yes. Where did you... Imagine you're talking to your daughter Mm -hmm. and you see your daughter wearing expensive earrings. Where'd you get those?
0: No, I think... I think she thinks they're a gift.
3: No, I think they... I think she knows that her daughter's a thief. And
0: that somebody's seducing her.
3: Mm. Yeah. And
0: that would be a bigger concern.
3: Because she does mention later on in the movie where it's just like, you should be careful around Toma because she's known for this. So I think that, you know... And, you know, she herself has fallen prey to that, so she doesn't want her daughter to be doing those same
0: things. Exactly. She's... Overbearing towards her daughter because she made those mistakes. That's my guess.
2: Uh, I suppose. I thought it was a glimpse into... Chris was looking into additional research about this film, and he read a theory that Barbara Hershey's character, the mom, is sexually abusing Nina.
0: Mm. Yeah, I don't buy it myself.
2: I don't buy it either. But when he said that, we we bought it because we'd buy movies and so we got all the extras. And I watched an interview with Barbara Hershey. And first of all, I can tell you right now, from Hershey's perspective, there is no physical abuse going on whatsoever. Mm-hmm. She would never
0: mm-hmm. like Definitely emotional abuse.
2: Emotional abuse, absolutely, but yeah. physical abuse, no. And how she described it was and obviously this is the way she meant to portray it, the mom knows that her daughter is mentally unstable and the mom is overbearing and cares mm-hmm. too much. And so the mother tries to care for her so much that she's smothering her, but it's because she knows that her daughter is mentally unstable. <sighs> so like, it's these little things like, did you steal that? Are you scratching? Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm, mm-hmm. I need to take care of you because mm-hmm. you're going to break at any point. Mm. Yeah,
0: and if left to your own devices, you would ruin things for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's why when she sees the scratches, this is when she sees them. And that's why she tears off all of her clothes. Let me see it. I need yeah, to see she's it. trying to
3: clip her nails yeah. like she's
0: a pet. Exactly. Immediately, she clips her nails and is like, we still have some of that expensive cover-up cream that we can put on it. She's thinking of all the ways that she could make sure that this doesn't get out and ruin her chances. Because, again, if Nina was left to her own devices... She'd fuck things up. Mm-hmm. It's like, did you really do all that well? It's like, you know, it. anyway. Uh, but yeah, while she's cutting her nails, trying to cut them down so she doesn't injure herself when, with her scratching, she ends up cutting her finger too. And I think metaphor, right? Like that's the metaphor for her overbearing protectiveness she's trying to cut down her fingernails to prevent her from hurting herself
5: being overly protective
0: and ends up hurting her that Mm. way yeah
2: okay so that the next morning Nina wakes up she thinks to herself I might try it gotta do that homework yeah
3: (laughs) that's what he says it's homework
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh I gotta say as a dude (laughs) real hot
2: that's exactly what Portman wanted you to get out of her, uh-huh. her scene.
0: In a way that, you know, I respect her as an individual <laughs> and she's taking care of herself. And to me, that's, that's the real sex of her.
2: But okay. She's almost there. She's doing well.
3: And what does she see? And she looks over and
0: her mom's sleeping in the chair and she's like, oh fuck. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw this in the theaters and it, like my heart was just <laughs> Do you remember who you
2: were sitting next to In the theaters when we saw this?
0: No
3: who, Do you remember who we saw this with? Who did we see it with? We saw this with my parents Oh did we? We did One of those movies I'm like oh Thanks mom and dad for coming <laughs> Didn't realize it was going to be a sexy.
0: This must have been one of the first movies that That we saw with them
3: I remember I burst out
2: laughing when, they, when she saw Barbara, she was in there.
0: Just like, I, it caught, like, something that seems so basic, really, it got me.
3: Oh no, I felt the same, I was like, this is the most horrific scene in the Seeing your mom there while you're uh-huh.
0: masturbating. <laughs> but, maybe, mom doesn't wake up.
2: Mom, mom yeah. might
0: have been awake the whole time, though, we don't know.
2: Right, but based on what we see... She didn't wake up. But that is going to be the turning point for uh, Nina in the fact that, you know what? I think I need some fucking privacy in my life. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> she finds a pole that she can use to prop her door closed.
2: And what does she learn that day at rehearsal?
3: Beth ran out into a truck and she she didn't die. No.
0: No. But she's severely injured. Mm-hmm. They're talking about it outside at a fountain, and he's like, you know what the fucked up part about it is, Tomas, says, this, I think she did it on purpose. I don't think this was just some sort of accident. I think she's, she did it on purpose, either it was a suicide attempt, or it was an attempt to grab attention. But either way, it's fucked up.
2: Well, it also means that she ain't never gonna dance again.
0: Oh, yeah. And we will see that.
3: Mm-hmm. I think he also says something along the lines of like, oh, but you know, it's like these dark impulses that she had. Like, it makes her so thrilling to watch.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. He says that. It makes her incredible to watch, but it also makes her destructive.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just planting these seeds in her head, you know?
2: But he does tell Nina, because Nina's immediately like, oh no, maybe that was because of me. And he's like, No. I can't, <laughs> he says I don't want you to. He means I can't. I cannot have you focusing on this. You yeah. cannot fuck up my production. So let it go. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is your moment, Nina. And so Nina goes to visit her in the hospital. And I'm like, why don't you think she's going to wake up?
0: <laughs> it's guilt. She...
2: No, I don't, that's what I mean. Why don't you think she's going to wake up?
0: Well, she doesn't that first time.
2: Of course she doesn't. But why wouldn't you think she's going to? Well, she's
3: done nothing wrong,
0: right? Well, <laughs>
2: lifts up her
5: blanket. Oh, oh that
0: part, I don't. Know. I, I. That's the thing. I think Nina, kind of like Mima, gets wrapped up in her mind and isn't thinking about these things, right? So that's why, like, when she's acting and she's looking around at everything and she totally misses that she Mister Q or whatever, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Her brain is going a mile a minute right now, and it's breaking. And so she's not thinking about the fact that there's a human being right there. She's just focused on the thing she wants to see, which is Beth's fucked up leg. Mm -hmm. And oh man, that's gross.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't like Like, looking at it. Yeah, she's definitely not dancing, let alone standing. (laughs) Yeah. uh (laughs) She
2: will come home and she'll do the whole like throwing away the stuff and getting the piece of wood. Uh, But she will also see her mother crying as she is painting her daughter, did you think that her crying was for her daughter or because of her daughter?
0: I think because of. What do you mean? Because, like, of what Nina is doing? No, well, like, uh, you you think about what are the reasons why Nina's mom would be crying. She's crying for herself. Mm. It's not for her daughter. It's for herself. It's for what her life has become.
2: Exactly. Mm. Almost looking around at all these paintings thinking, what am I doing with my Mm. life? Mm.
5: Uh
0: But also she loves, she she legitimately loves her daughter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean she's the best thing for her, but she does love her daughter. But I don't think that's enough to keep her from crying over what her life could have been without her daughter.
2: Do you agree with Chris? Do you think she loves her daughter?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Obviously, she doesn't show it in the right ways. Mm-hmm. We'll see later that she does something that's difficult to protect her daughter from herself, but is not in her own best interest. As far as like you know, having her daughter be successful, we've seen that's her interest up to this point. Is she'll do anything to hurt her daughter if it means her daughter's successful. But, but she, that's not
2: necessarily true either, because she likes to tear her daughter down. No, no, but,
0: but um, yes, you're right. But usually she does both at the same time. Hmm. This, she picks one over the, over the other. One that, uh, when we'll get to it, we'll talk about what it is, that establishes her dominance in her daughter's life at the expense of her daughter becoming successful and potentially changing and leaving her. It's about mm-hmm. keeping her daughter there with her mm-hmm. and keeping her position of authority over her daughter and she does it because yes, she loves her daughter, but she does it in all the wrong ways.
5: Which is hilarious because it's roomy. No. <laughs> does anybody else know what Barbara Hershey has also done recently as a mom? No? It's American Horror Story? Well, uh, think no. Am I thinking about the ring, ring person?
2: Once upon a time, people! Oh,
0: oh, she's she's the, the evil queen's mom. She's the and they evil have queen's mom, yes. and
2: she's the reason she becomes the evil queen. <laughs> <laughs> she's a smothering mother who does it all out of
3: love.
0: Oh, no, it's very similar to that, actually, it's, now that it's you mention it.
3: practically the, the same season? role. Is that the first season? Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, I don't remember it's that. Second season?
2: Um, Barbara Hershey's in the first season. Early. I, it's early. Yeah, first and second season.
3: Okay. I only
0: watched, like, 1.5 Seasons of Once Upon a Time. Yeah, it's where we find out.
3: The first two seasons are pretty good. (laughs) A young
0: a young Snow White tells Barbara Hershey that the Evil Queen is gonna run off with her stable boy lover, and so Barbara Hershey kills the stable boy. (laughs) And that's why the evil queen hates Snow White.
3: I remember
2: that. <laughs> and she wants her daughter to be the queen. Yes, uh-huh. I'm doing all of this for you. Right. No, it's exactly
0: the same thing. You're right.
2: <laughs> and this is when we're going to get the uh doctor scene with the
3: contracted diaphragm. Oh yeah, yeah. That wigged me out. I was like, that oh, looks genuinely hands. real, but like her hand going right underneath her rib cage. I'm like, this is horrific.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh huh.
3: Yeah. I, I like. It's like welcome to the life of a dancer. Mm, yep. Jesus.
0: And in reality, she fractured a rib or something like that. She injured her toe as well.
3: Not surprising.
0: Yeah. And this may or may not be a real story, but I heard it and it's kind of funny and it's right up my alley. (laughs) Apparently, if she would try to do on point stuff and she'd hurt her toe... Then they'd have to stop production for a while where she, so she could get it, like, you know, iced and all that stuff and try again, and it would stop production for a couple of hours or a certain amount of time, and they would call that the Natalie Portmanteau Break, and then they shortened it to portmanteau.
2: <laughs> that's very cute.
0: I love portmanteaus, and that's kind of a portmanteau right there. The word portmanteau is a portmanteau, <laughs> and it's – yeah, okay, anyway <laughs> – So, whether it's real or not, I love the concept.
2: In rehearsal, they are doing the Black Swan part, and she just can't get it. He keeps making her do it over and over again, and she finally stops, and she says, Do you have any notes? And he tells everybody to leave, except for her. Mm -hmm. And he's going to again what seems like sexually assault her. Now, it does. It, it's not clear whether or not Portman is actually into it or if she's pretending to be into it, but...
0: Forcing herself to be into it. Exactly. Yeah.
2: But the point that I'm going to make here is that as soon as she almost seems like she's into it, he stops and he says, that was me seducing you. It should be the other way around.
0: Mm. Yeah. Right? Again, he had the perfect opportunity to... Uh, now I got my new plaything or whatever but that wouldn't be in the best interest of the show Mm -hmm. and so he turns down that opportunity to be a total sleazebag he's just kind of a sleazebag right now he's like this is
3: a teachable moment yes (laughs) (laughs)
0: like
3: this is what you should be doing to me yes I think even earlier in that scene when he's dancing with with David who is the prince he asks him point blank like would you fuck her and he's just like
0: like, (laughs) yeah exactly you wouldn't (laughs) No no one would. And she just has to sit there and take this. <laughs> like, oh, God, God.
2: Yeah, but okay. So, do you think, I Eileen, mean, that she is genuinely attracted to him or not?
3: I, I think she definitely is. I, I think she's, like, losing herself in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that, like, over time, I don't think she's necessarily falling in love with him. But she does see him as, like, an attractive male, like, figure... With the potential of like leading her to success and more and maybe to like a fulfilling relationship through being a director or something. And this is
0: this is kind of like a if you just piece together these portions of the plot, her interacting with him, it's her going, you know, I've heard stories that if you like, you know, fuck the director, he'll give you the part. But that's not me. And she goes and tries to actually convince him, you know, I guess I could lie to him. Right? I mean, that's not as bad as if I slept my way into the role. Uh, so she does. and But she she's like, no, that's not me. I'm not the type of person to have sex. But then she bites him, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, maybe that is in her. And I think in this moment, we're getting a little bit more of that, where she's like, maybe I am that person. Maybe I can do the stuff that I didn't think I could do before. Mm-mm. And he just happens to be the vessel for that awakening.
2: In walks Lily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he leaves, and she's just sitting there crying, feeling sorry for herself, and Lily walks in, and she's smoking a cigarette, and this seems stupid and unimportant, but I'm getting there, and uh, Natalie Portman says, you can't smoke in here, and she just says, I won't tell if you won't, and she hands it to her, and Portman says thanks, and you think that she's gonna smoke it and cough, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't. She takes a drag, and then when she blows it out, it's like, it's nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. What does that tell you?
0: That the cigarette's not really there?
2: <laughs> <laughs> or that she smokes. That she does do these things mm-hmm. and we just don't see it because maybe she doesn't admit it to herself.
5: Mm-mm-mm.
3: Maybe. Or at least she's done it before. Yes. So this is these are not new experiences for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she's just like repressed them or she's yeah. left them behind.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. I think repression is a big part of who Nina is trying to leave behind.
2: Because if that wasn't a character choice, Natalie Portman, you don't know anything about new smokers. <laughs> Lily will try to Plus kind she
0: smokes of... in Leon the Professional.
2: Yes. <laughs>
0: when she was 12.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Lily will say bad things about the teacher because he's not treating her right. And then she will say, she'll stick up for him. And Lily goes, hmm,
0: somebody's hot for teacher. In the same way that she was sticking up for Beth, though, she has this kind of deference to authority. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, when people say this person's important and you should feel that they're important, she believes that 100%. Meanwhile, everyone else, like, sees the bullshit behind that dynamic. Uh -uh. And when they talk about that freely and openly when the people in authority aren't around, she's surprised and baffled. Mm -hmm. Wait, why aren't you totally enthralled by the fact that he's the director? We should be looking up to him as a god.
2: We see some other things here. Uh, We get blood dripping into her bathtub. Uh, She's been scratching again. She sees herself as evil in the mirror again. And then the next day, back at it, he is again making her do it over and over and over again. And he says, you could be brilliant, but you're a coward. Stop being so weak. Because what happened?
3: Because apparently Lily told or talked to Toma about the concern she has for her. Not necessarily telling Toma that, you know, she's weak or whining, but then that's how Tomas interprets this. And that's definitely how Nina interprets that. Like, you you told on me to make me seem vulnerable and unable to do it. Whereas when she, like, talks to Lily face to face, Lily seems genuinely concerned about Nina's well-being.
0: Yeah, but maybe a little bit careless, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, geez, I didn't mean to. So Nina says to Toma, she shouldn't have gone to you. And he says... Well, you shouldn't have been whining. And she says, I wasn't whining. And then when she approaches Lily, Lily's like, no, I just told him he shouldn't be so hard on you, that you're trying really hard. It's kind of like this sort of little mini Rashomon moment where we're getting like different perspectives on the same exact event that happened just to see how, you know, people perceive things differently.
2: Well, also, that they're probably, neither one of them is probably telling the truth. Right. Mm. The the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And this is something that you deal with as a teacher. Mm. You have to find the story that actually happened, because he's angry, so he's going to blow it out of control, and she, uh, Mila Kunis, is on the defensive, so she's going to pretend like it wasn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. So you've got to find, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But Nina mad. (laughs) Yes. Nina not happy. (laughs) Do you think Kunis did it to fuck with
3: her. I don't think so. I like from the glimpses of her character, she seems just like kind of careless and that I don't think she's being vindictive in any way.
0: Yeah. I think in the in the traditional story you might expect the the backstabbing understudy kind of thing. It's a trope, but uh I don't think that's necessarily what's ha- I think that's Natalie Portman's paranoia mm-hmm. is is that that's the case. I just think that Lily's the type that feels so free and open with the things she's thinking and would be just that open and direct with the director, even when they barely even know each other and she barely even knows Nina. I think that's just the type of person Lily is, that she just says what's on her mind.
2: I agree with that sentiment, but we get a little bit of it later, and she even admits to it a little bit later. I think Mila Kunis is doing a few things here to try and fuck with Nina. Mm. I, I don't think, like, okay, so earlier when she walked in on uh, Nina's audition, obviously she couldn't have planned that. So that was a mistake. When Mila Kunis also did something else, it seemed like a mistake. However, now it's starting to seem like she went and talked to Tomash. She didn't have to do that. She'll be like, oh, I was just your alternate. It's fine. You know, like, right, there's but- just yeah, yes. he put her there. Uh-huh. But there's a lot, of, and then, like I said, later she'll kind of admit that she was kind of doing it, and then she'll say, but you were awesome. Mm-mm. But the point is...
0: You know, she has eh. jealousy. Yeah, yeah. She has jealousy, but I don't think this is some big, you know, f- how how would I describe this, Montgomery, see Montgomery Burns, finger twiddle, excellent, sort of like scheming.
2: <laughs> I think there's a little bit of that to her. I think it's mostly Nina's paranoia, but I think there's a little bit of Mm-mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, she's not a great human being. <laughs> I think I think she just does not prioritize what other people are feeling because she chooses to be oblivious because that's what makes her so carefree and interesting. So it's, it's kind of a choice and also kind of not. I'd, I'd put it somewhere in the middle.
2: Okay. This is when she'll have that first fight with her mom about the fact that, like, what career? You were 28 and only in the... What? Only in the what? Nothing. Nothing.
1: I just don't want you to make the same mistake I did. Face. Not like that. I just mean as far as my career was concerned. What career? The one I gave up to have you. You were 28. So? And only in no- the... Only what? Nothing. What? Nothing.
2: <laughs> um. <laughs> and who shows up at the apartment?
3: Lily, looking to apologize and, like, take her out for for dinner, some drinks. Mm -hmm. And what does the
0: mom do? She's just like, you need to come home and go to bed. Well, she, at first, answers the door and then just closes it.
2: Yeah, she says, is Nina here? And she says, no, close the door. Yeah, Mm
0: -hmm. and then doesn't tell Nina who it was. And so Nina gets up and goes to the door and sees that Lily is outside. And then when she's like, yeah, I want to take you out, and her mom pops in and is like, you need to get your rest. She's like, oh, fuck this. And she grabs <laughs> her jacket and leaves with Lily.
2: I love Lily's response. She's
0: just like, Jesus. Like, <laughs> yeah. what's
2: going on here?
0: <laughs> a little overbearing. <laughs> she's,
2: she's never dealt with a mom like that. <laughs> but yeah, so she's like, fuck this, I'm going out. So they Go out, and the first thing that she that Mila says to her is, I think it's creepy that he calls Beth his little princess. And she goes, Oh, you know, it's, it's just a thing that he called I her. I think a long it's time ago. sweet. I think it's <laughs> sweet. and she goes, Just you wait. He's gonna call you my little princess any mm. day now. And she goes, No, that's just for Beth.
5: hmm
0: mm-hmm.
2: No, it's just for the girl he's fucking.
0: <laughs> it's for the girl he's decided to take under his wing. <laughs> Just like in. What were we watching? We were watching Quarantine, and there was the opera teacher who was living with his student, who he did think was the greatest student he'd ever have, but he was also fucking her. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, yeah.
2: Mila Kunis will tell her that she really needs to relax and offers her what I assume is uh, Ecstasy or Molly. Something. (laughs) Yeah. It looked too big. Usually Ecstasy or Molly is small, but.
0: Well, it was a capsule, so there's a powder on the inside. So I was like, "Is it Coke? Is it?" But her, her, when she asks what it is, she says, "You've never rolled before, right?" Which so would make me ecstasy. think it's ecstasy. Yeah.
2: And she introduces her to these two dudes, and one of them, did you notice who it oh, was? Oh yeah, I was like
0: <laughs> Winter Soldier, uh-huh. <laughs> also the Mad Hatter from Once Upon a Time.
3: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's lots of Once Upon a that's Time two. <laughs>
2: But yeah, Chris pointed it out to me. He's like, do you see who it is? Yeah.
0: <laughs> what the fuck is his name? Andrew. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. Yes, in the movie,
4: it's
2: yeah. Andrew. <laughs> yes. Andrew! Because she keeps calling him Jerry. And he's uh, like, actually, it's Andrew. The
0: one guy is named Tom. Actually named Tom. <laughs> and so she calls the other guy Jerry, even though that's not his name. It's Sebastian Stan.
3: Mm-mm. Yeah, I find it funny when they're like talking about what they do. And, like, Winter Soldier is just like, I've never heard of Swan Lake. I was like, who the fuck has never heard of Swan Lake? Yeah. Even if
0: you don't know what it's about. Well, I think he says, I th- I think I might have heard of it, but he has no idea what it's about. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that is the case. It's like, is a little too stupid. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> now, the reason I brought up the fact that earlier in the film, he told her to pleasure herself to live a little. hmm And she did. Do you know how Mila Kunis gets her to take the drugs?
0: Well... First we should be clear, while she goes to the bathroom, she pours it in her drink yes. and then totally admits to it. She's not trying to hide it at all. Right. She's like, Here, you know, you gotta live a little. Right? Doesn't she say live he a little? She says yeah. live a little. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so because she says the same thing that her director says she does it She ends up having a great time dancing till she realizes that she's probably about to have sex with somebody And she gets out of the bathroom
3: Yeah, just a complete rando the
0: (laughs) The dance scene is really close up You don't see a lot, but apparently
2: It was impossible to tell what was going on If
0: you slow it down It's a lot of people in the cast It's a lot of Nina It's a lot of Lily It's a lot of Tama. Oh
2: Tomas there?
0: Yeah no but not literally there But all the other dancers are Characters in the movie And they digitally like There's like a hundred different digital effects Shots in this Mm. one scene That you don't even see But yes then it just snaps to it spins around And it's like all chaotic and it just snaps to her Making out with some rando Skinhead guy in the bathroom (laughs) It's not even the one and when she realizes it She's just like drunk stumbles out But obviously she's still high as fuck and she just goes to leave. She just walks right out the door.
2: And Lily just happens to be right there waiting mm-hmm. for her.
0: Or does she?
2: <laughs> well, they're going to go home, and they're going to have a really hot sex scene. And I don't, yep. care if you're, I don't care if you're a straight woman or not. It's a
3: hot sex scene. Yep. Do you agree with me, on Oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, like, you can clearly tell that they're both really into it. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Although, you know, then it gets a little creepy.
2: Yes, because she will start to see herself. Does she see her mom at some point?
0: No. Okay. I think, I think she just, just sees herself. Self. okay.
2: Yeah. That'd be one step too far. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes in the metamorphosis, it's kind of hard to tell what you're looking
0: at. Yeah, it's weird when you put her face on somebody else's body and then you black out the eyes. Yes. It's really, it's it's almost like, is that Natalie Portman? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, which of course is supposed to be because it's for her perspective. Yeah. Uh-huh. But when she first gets home, before she has the sex scene, she does yell at her mother, I'm not 12 anymore. Yeah. And stay out of my room. And she puts the thing against the door. Now, the next morning, she'll wake up and Kunis will be gone, as will the, the, the plank. And that's her first indication of, did something not happen?
0: Mm. Right? Or, did she already leave? Because Because right. if, if I put this bar here... The only way it could have been removed is from the inside. So somebody inside had to remove it, which would have been her.
2: Yes, and she's overslept, which is not good because this is like the day before the performance. Uh-huh. And her mother is just sitting there angrily, just sitting there. She looks sad
3: to me. Oh, like, she looks sad? Just like sitting there. Like, you know, she's fuming. I'm sure she's angry, but she yeah. also looked kind of sad. Right.
2: But so the question is, we're going to find out later that Kunis wasn't there. So the question <laughs> is, what did happen?
3: Probably still rolling and, you know, she imagines having oral sex and, you know, fanciful things with Lily's character.
2: Absolutely. But what I mean is what happened with the mom? Because the, the thing is out of the way, right? It's not there. So she didn't put it there. So did she have that confrontation with her mother where she was like, I fucked two guys today. There's nothing things, you can do about it. Did that happen? This
0: is one of those things that people read into as the mom is sexually abusing her. Because mm. that would imply that the mom had access. She saw herself going down on her. Ooties. Like, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So that's why they think that that's, that's what's happening. I, I still don't buy it, but I see where there's an opening there.
2: I totally see, but considering- I think a
0: lot of stuff didn't happen. She didn't put that thing there because she just was high as shit. That's what I'm saying. She just into bed and probably masturbated. But
3: you know. did they have the fight is what I'm asking. Because in that scene, she smashes her fingers, right? Is that the one? No, that's later. okay, never mind. Yeah.
0: Yes, I think she had the fight. You notice how Lily doesn't participate in the fight at all?
3: Yeah, yeah. She's kind of like in the background. (laughs)
2: Yeah. That's true. So, yeah, she's very angry. Nina is, and she yells at her mom as she's walking out, Why didn't you wake me up? I'm moving out. Yeah. Why didn't you wake me up? I'm moving out. (laughs) And she gets there, and she hears, My music. (laughs)
0: Uh Uh-huh.
2: I love that she calls it, My music. And there is... Kunis, dancing.
0: He needed to run the scene, and so he asked me to stand in for you.
2: And Nina is like, dude, what the fuck? Where'd you go? And she's like, what do you mean, where'd I go? And she's like, but we... Kunis is like, we what?
0: Oh my god. (laughs) Just like the really shittiest thing you could do to somebody in this situation is like make a big deal out of it. And embarrass them. (laughs) Yeah. It's just the shittiest thing. If somebody came up to you and you guys were drunk or high the night before and you found out that they were under the impression that you two slept together the night before, would you do that? Oh my God, how precious you had a wet dream about me. <laughs> would you do that to them? You got to be sensitive to somebody. It's like, oh dude, no, I think that's fucking awesome, I would but <laughs> no. <laughs> Honestly, that moment is probably Lily's shittiest behavior in the entire movie. For me. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't do that much that is directly shitty to Nina. But that doesn't make her not a threat for taking Nina's place.
2: So it's the first time they're practicing the end. And Mm. he he finally thinks he sees in her what he needs. Yeah. Uh, And he tells her, you had a breakthrough today. Uh, Just give a great performance tomorrow at the end of the day. But... Instead of resting, she Mm -hmm. just keeps rehearsing. Even the dude playing the piano is like, I have a life and leaves.
3: I find it so funny how he's like, he starts playing for like five seconds. He's like, "Never mind."
0: Yeah. (laughs) He's like, okay, we're going to do another song. Uh, Yeah. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck this. (laughs) uh,
3: I'm not getting paid overtime. (laughs) Also, it's like, you don't have a recording of that music. Just put on a CD. Exactly. I I
0: feel like the dancers need that. Because they need to make sure that the music adjusts to their performance and not the other way around. Mm. But she's there, way late into the night, and the lights go out on her. Just like it happened when they were doing rehearsals a couple nights before. She shouts, just like Toma did, I'm still practicing in here, I need the lights. And then she hears something. And as she searches for the person who's there, she ends up finding Toma having sex with Lily. And that obviously can't be what's happening right now. But there's just enough of possibility, and then her own twisted obsession makes her think that this is real. And then when Toma looks at her, she sees the face of Rothbart. <laughs> Rothbart, yes, the the evil like swan witch. bird, yeah. witch yes. thing, whatever. Yeah, that 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 curses he looks
3: her. Looks like a crow, yeah,
0: kind of, yeah, and and looks over at her and opens his mouth, and it it's very like you know Batman and Batman Begins. When the dude's hallucinating and he sees the monster Batman. It's kind of like that. And she freaks out and she backs away. And we're left with, was this really happening or wasn't it?
2: Well, she also saw herself having sex with Tomah. Mila mm-hmm. Yeah. turns
0: uh-huh. into herself as well. So
3: because of this, she goes to see Beth, I guess? Yeah, I guess, like, maybe she feels she needs to lift some sort of guilt off yeah, of her in redemption moment. redemption at
0: some point,
2: yeah. Oh, that's right. Because, yeah, because she comes in and she says, now I know what it's like. Mm. Mm-hmm. So she goes to see Beth. And so she has this little bag of all of these things. Now, we know that she stole the lipstick from Beth. Yes. But earlier in the film, she took out each little thing from this little bag and just put them out there. Now, she returns these things to Beth, so Mm -hmm. we know all of them were stolen
0: But it was, like, ritualistic. On her countertop, in front of her mirror, she sets them all out evenly spaced, kind of perfect, right? And it's almost like her little shrine. It's almost like a serial killer thing. (laughs) You know, where she has... Uh, trophies, mm-hmm. and and she sets it up as this little shrine mm-hmm. to, this is what the prima ballerina is supposed to be. Because I need to be Beth. Mm-hmm. And so then when she goes to Beth, and she sets all this stuff out again, we discover oh all that stuff came from Beth. And she writes a little note, says Beth on it, and this little note is, it just kind of dangles in the plot. It's a dangling plot thread. Because Beth wakes up, or she was maybe always awake, and
2: What are you doing here? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I know how it feels now. She's trying to replace me. What do I do? You stole my things. I was just trying to be perfect like you. So she admits that she was like Mila Kunis, which is why I think she sees these things in Mila mm. she's seeing the things in herself that she might have done to Beth in the past
0: right, but I think that then bolsters the point about maybe Lily not being guilty and, and doing it intentionally because i don't think I don't think that Nina did the things to Beth intentionally. She was just looking up to her, trying to become her, be just as good as her because she was her idol. Mm. So she didn't do the things she did with intent. And instead of looking back and going, oh, maybe Lily's not a total bitch. She goes, oh my God, I'm the new Beth. And she is trying to take this from me. Mm. Like she gets the wrong message from this.
2: (laughs) But what does Beth do when she wakes up? I mean, after
3: she says, you stolen from me and everything. I think she grabs, like, the nail file. Uh-huh. And then she makes some sort of statement about not being perfect or that she's nothing. And she starts stabbing herself in the eye.
0: Well, like the, or in the, the face. Cheese. In the face, yeah. Yeah, and, but just, like, in a lot of different places. And Nina starts freaking out. And then she sees herself in Beth's place, stabbing her. And so she backs out. And we can see the note is still on the fucking table. <laughs> and she makes her way to the elevator. And then she looks at her hand when she goes to hit the button and sees that there's blood on it. And then she looks at her other hand, which is especially bloody, and has the nail file in it. Mm -hmm. So, just like in Perfect Blue, (laughs) did she or didn't she kill the photographer? Did she or didn't she kill Beth, Mm. is the implication here.
3: What do you think? I don't think she did any of it. I think it's just in her mind that, like, Beth is having a breakdown. She is having a breakdown. She feels that Beth... She feels subconsciously that Beth is a Beth is a threat, which is why she is stabbing her, and what she could potentially be becoming.
2: I think, I think most of it was in her mind. I don't know. She might have gone and actually visited her and given her the stuff, mm-hmm. but I don't think that Beth woke up yeah. and, and stabbed strapped herself, are... or that she, or that Nina stabbed her.
0: I think we are getting deep, deep, deep into the movie as metaphor at this point, and it's just going to get deeper.
2: Mm -hmm. I think most of this from here on out is going to be in her brain. Oh,
3: yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it mirrors perfect blue and that, you know, near the end where it's very uncertain whether these are all in her head or whether it's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Although I feel like Black Swan is more on the side of this is not actually happening. Mm -hmm.
0: Probably, yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm.
3: So she gets home.
2: And she goes into, she's looking for her mother, and she hears somebody crying, and she thinks that her mom's crying, so she goes in there. But it's not her mom. Those creepy paintings. Those creepy-ass paintings, They're all crying (laughs) and screaming at her.
0: So she starts ripping them off the wall. Yes. And screaming, and then the mom comes in and is like, what are you doing? And she just leaves, (laughs) walks right past her and into her room.
2: And she's changing. Her eyes go bright red, and she notices that part where she's been scratching that Eileen did a good job of describing earlier, it's now becoming wings.
0: Well, we're getting individual feathers like being pulled out of those spots that look like ingrown hairs, right? And then we get that moment where she looks at it in the mirror, puts it right up in front of her eyes, and her eyes are bloodshot. And yeah, it's pretty incredible.
2: Black swans have red eyes? They've I got know, red beaks. Yeah. I know that. I not about the eyes. Okay.
0: But she's, she's changing.
2: This is when her mother tries to get inside, and what does
3: Nina do? Yeah, this is where she, like, crushes her mom's hands with yeah. the door.
0: The second most... <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and also her legs will break.
0: Oh, yeah. They break backwards, just like a bird's legs might mm. be, right? Because, I mean, really... If you think about the equivalent in a bird and other animals, when they bend backwards, that's like your heel, right? Because that bends that direction, right? Yeah. Animals, they walk on the pads. My point is, is that, like, you know, like, think about, like, a dog or a cat, right? They walk on their pads, right? Which is this part of our foot. But we've evolved to where we walk on this whole part, right? Up here, it's, like, it's, it's that joint that goes that direction. And then they have another one up here that's, like, our knee. So, anyway... It just bends backwards like that, and she's physically turning into a swan now, and she falls over, she loses her balance, and bangs her head on the side of her bed, and passes out.
3: She also breaks her music box, like, the ballerina on the music box. Yes, yeah. Yes, uh she
2: throws it, and then later we'll get a cool shot of it turning, and it doesn't have any.
0: Like limbs or anything? Yeah.
2: So she wakes up, and she's got socks it has uh, little mittens uh-huh. <laughs> wrapped around her because she was scratching all night. According to Which her is mother,
0: something you might do to a little child, <laughs> and probably what she did to her when she was scratching mm. when she was a kid too. Yes, you know, or if your kid's sucking his thumb, it's one of those sorts of things. And so, treating her like like regressing her, like mm-hmm. oh, the solution to bring back my child is to treat them like they were when mm. they were my perfect innocent baby
2: she wakes up and she's like what time is it and her mom's like don't worry about that i called them and told you told them you were sick what the role is destroying you and she's just like and she sees that the handle has been taken off of her doorknob and she's like give me the doorknob the mom's like you don't need to go you need to rest and she's like what happened to my sweet girl
0: <laughs> yes this is this is that moment where the mom chooses What she believes to be the well-being of her child, even though she might be wrong, might be right, whatever, and exerting her dominance as mother over the glamour of her daughter becoming what she couldn't become. Mm.
2: But do you remember what she does? What Nina does when she says she's gone? Because the mom asks... Oh, oh. What yeah. happened uh, What happened to my sweet girl? And Nina says, she's gone. What did she do?
3: Yeah, so she realizes that her mom is probably sitting on the doorknob, so she, like, grabs her mom's broken hand and, like, <laughs> like twinges <laughs> it even more. Uh-huh. And it's just like, why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, she rests in pain, uh-huh. and then she's able to get the doorknob and just book it to the ballet company theater.
2: Yes.
0: And she gets there. She sees her poster on the wall. And she goes in and everyone's like, Oh my god, it's Nina. It's Nina. Nina, are you okay? Is everything okay? And she sees Lily getting into her costume, and Lily says, What is she doing here? She's supposed
3: to be sick, yeah.
0: Yes. So again, I think she Lily was really, really excited that she's that she gets this opportunity. But I don't think, you know, she didn't plot to make her sick. It's her her mom was doing all that shit. Mm-hmm. But yes, it it is upsetting to Lily that now Nina's showing up and she's not gonna get the chance to be mm-hmm. the Swan Queen.
2: But Nina don't give a fuck. <laughs> Nina goes into her dressing room and just immediately starts putting on her makeup. And Tama comes on, it comes in, and he's like, "I've already given the role to Lily." She goes, "Well, have you announced it yet?"
0: He's like, mm, "Yeah, I guess you got a point." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I, it, she's the one being like not thinking of anybody's feelings but her own. Yeah,
3: her attitude is completely different now. She's very assertive, she's selfish. Yeah, yeah. has uh-huh. she completely changed yet? Though
0: not quite.
2: Yes. attitude is definitely different.
0: Yes. yes. I think there's still some last minute stuff. She really needs to let herself go.
2: Mm. So he tells her.
0: The only person standing in your way is you. It's time to let her go.
1: Lose yourself.
2: So she does. What does she see about herself?
3: Oh, her, that her toes are <laughs> webbed together or they're fused uh-huh. together. Yes. She's becoming more duck no, not duck. Swan-like. <laughs> you know, because of duck feet. You know? Yeah, uh-huh. Totally. It's becoming more duck.
0: <laughs> she immediately puts her sock over that to be like, well, I gotta hide this. If anything, maybe she might dance better.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what? I actually knew a guy in high school who had webbed toes. It's a thing, yeah. And he, he was like, please don't ask me if it makes me a better swimmer,
4: because it doesn't. <laughs>
0: But she is just like chugging along at this point, right? Like, just push forward. Just get this done. I need to be there. Everything else be damned. She potentially murdered somebody (laughs) and left a note. (laughs) That's why I'm saying it couldn't have happened. No, that's fine. But as far as she's concerned, Mm -hmm. it's possible. But she's not, she's trying not to think about that. And the ultimate expression of this is going to come a little bit later.
2: But she goes on and she does the first scene and she does great and it's really funny because the choir the chorus girls go out and they do their bit and when they come back in they're like we sucked <laughs> <laughs> that felt real being a drama kid
0: she sees Lily cupping the balls of Some David
4: <laughs> yeah, the the prince.
0: The prince. Yeah right all which is the prince is supposed to be hers cuz she's the white swan or whatever right but uh, yeah she gets distracted by a couple of things it's not just that but there are other things when she's being lifted
3: she falls cuz like her focus is off
0: uh-huh
3: and then but she continues the dance well
2: not at first he drops her yeah. and she just sits there in stunned yeah. silence yeah. it's he, not like, until he picks her, picks her back up like, what
0: the fuck was that
2: i fucking <laughs> love it <laughs> Because it's so real. Like, anybody uh-huh. who's been on stage and has had somebody fuck up in the middle of a scene, right. we, we, you know, as soon as you're turned away from the audience.
4: <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, they continue on and they do the performance. And as soon as the curtains go down, it's the end of the first act. Tomah is like, what the hell happened out there? Which
2: was unrealistic. He wouldn't shout that.
0: Yeah. Well, I think in this reality, the audience can't hear any of this. So we don't need to worry about that.
3: Yeah. I love the fact that that Nina just totally blames David for dropping her.
0: She's becoming more and more of a total (laughs) It's not my fault he dropped me. I
2: was
5: just like, all right.
2: (laughs) And so this is when she'll walk into her dressing room and she finds
3: Lily in her costume. Putting on makeup,
0: yeah, as and,
3: the Black Swan. And Lily
0: is is saying like, well, rough start, huh? <sighs> Must have
5: been pretty humiliating. <sighs> get out of my room. See, I'm just I'm worried about the next <sighs> act. I'm just not sure you're feeling up to it. Stop, yeah. please stop. How about I dance, dance. the Black Swan for you?
0: <laughs> and so, they get into a fight. She shoves my her up turn. against the mirror, yes, it's my turn, and the mirror shatters, and they're fighting each other, but she's also turning into her and back out and forth until finally Mina grabs a piece of the mirror and just like in perfect blue with the with the display well, glass
2: Mila starts to choke her, mm-hmm. yeah, and
0: her neck extends yes like, like a like a swan's neck and and Lily's like, "What the fuck." No. <laughs> And grab she well so she grabs the glass from the mirror and stabs her in the gut, killing her, and then drags her into the the shower.
4: Perfect. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, drags her into the shower and closes the door, (laughs) and starts to put on makeup. It's like I just fucked that. (laughs) I'm the Black Swan now, right? So she goes out for the second act and does just incredible.
3: Yeah, the thrill of the kill has really infused, like, the spirit of the black swan in her.
0: Yes. And the audience is losing their minds for her performance, and it's so incredible. Another thing that might lead you to believe that it's maybe not real, maybe it is. You know, maybe she, this is what it took to get a transcendent performance out of her, or maybe this is just all in her fucking head. Mm.
3: What do you think? I think she is genuinely
0: doing really, really well. Yes.
2: Yeah. Me too. I think she's doing really well. And this Maybe is, the praise
0: is a little bit fake, but mm. I think she is genuinely doing well, yeah.
2: I loved the special effects they did here, where her... And they've been doing it throughout the film, but when she starts to actually, like... You can see, like, her skin moving, mm-hmm. kind of and like in
0: waves, Yes, yeah. uh-huh.
2: And, you know, she starts to become... She has, like, wings. I thought that it was done masterfully. Mm-hmm. I thought it was super beautiful.
0: And she's painted up as the black swan. So she has, like, the eye makeup on, and so if you see, the most covers are this image of her, right? And so as she does the turn, which is the turn that is the most difficult one that she had, the coda that she had problems with in the beginning, and she just executes it perfectly. This is probably Sarah Lane. As she does that, her arms turn more and more and more into these majestic wings. And when she finally poses, it's that incredible pose. And then it cuts to the audience's perspective. And we see shadows. And that's where your eye is drawn to. It's She's lit from either end of the Mm -hmm. stage. And we see two shadows which show her with the wings. And then you look down. And she she doesn't have the wings. It's just a split second. And if you're not paying attention, you miss it. But the point in the performance is for the audience to literally see those shadows, right? So they can see that, that, uh, that visual. But, you know, whether or not the audience of the movie catches that is kind of unimportant. It's just a little treat there for you if you're paying attention. But everyone's like, holy shit, that was incredible.
2: And she runs off stage and makes out with the director. Yeah,
0: he
3: seems genuinely into it now.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. and a little bit surprised. And uh, you know what? She just seduced him. Mm-hmm. And she goes to her dressing room and blood is leaking out. From where she left Mila Kunis' body, and so she grabs a towel and she shoves it there, and is like, "I'm gonna have to worry about that some other time." <laughs> and she gets a
3: knock on the door. Who is it? And it's Lily, congratulating her about that amazing yeah. performance.
0: I may have been jealous. I may have been upset when you showed up because i that mean, I didn't get to play the part, but I can't believe you were absolutely incredible.
2: Yes, and poor Nina's just like. Uh,
0: uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs>
2: Why aren't you dead?
0: (laughs) She's like, okay, I gotta get ready by and close the door. And then she moves the towel. There's no blood. Nothing. She opens the door. Nothing. But the the mirror is still shattered. And that's when she looks down. and She realizes nobody noticed because she was wearing the black swan outfit. She was the one who who was stabbed. She stabbed herself. In this is the story that she's supposed to be believing right now. There's some controversy around this. But... She stabbed herself. She was really fighting with herself. And when she stabbed the other person, that was her stabbing herself. Mm. All
2: la Fight Club.
0: Yeah, sure. Actually, yeah. And then she, <laughs> she pulls the glass from the mirror out and realizes that she stabbed herself. And is like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, fuck, I gotta... The show must go on, right? Like, Just I, one more. Yeah, <laughs> I just gotta get to, through the last act. And then this is the big one where she's supposed to kill herself as the White Swan. And so she gets all of her makeup on and she just continues on, despite the fact that she's potentially mortally wounded.
2: And she does. She has a powerful performance. And here's the thing. They showed us earlier, when they showed us her doing this scene the first time, and that's when he said, you had a breakthrough today. They showed the first time, you look to your love, you look to the the person who did this to you, and then you look at the audience. But she doesn't look at the audience. Who does she look at? Her mom. mom. Mm. Now, do we believe her mom's actually there?
0: hundred percent she's there. There's no way she's missing that.
2: Yeah. She left her mom after grabbing a yes. broken
3: hand.
0: But she knows exactly where she's going. You think she's going to miss her first performance as the Swan Queen in Swan Lake? She might be like, you know, my broken hand, this is all worth it. <laughs> totally. I think she's 100% there.
2: Well, she does this incredible performance- she falls, which is her killing herself in the show. And Tomah runs up to her. I always knew you had it well, in you. Well, first all
0: the little swans come out, <laughs> including Lily. Yes. And they're like, holy shit, that was even more incredible than the last act. And then, yeah, Tomah comes out.
2: I always knew I had you had it in you, my little princess. Mm-hmm. But then he sees it. Now, does that cinch for you that it was real?
0: The fact that other people saw it. First Lily's like, oh my god. Yeah. And then he sees it. He's like, call an ambulance!
3: Do you think she actually stabbed herself? I think she actually stabbed herself.
0: Why, uh, do you, why don't you think she did it?
3: Well, what were you going to
0: say? I was going to say, I mean, it kind of relies on what you're about to say. So how about you say your thing okay. first?
2: There are a couple reasons why it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that she actually stabbed herself. Number one being, no, no, <laughs> no, you cannot dance when you've been stabbed in the stomach but with the a point,
0: giant shard of glass. And the whole point is that she's no. free. I'm saying no. Physically impossible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say she that. is
3: pumped full of adrenaline yeah. that she might die soon, so she gotta put her best uh-huh. foot forward. For she, her brain
0: just probably isn't registering that pain.
3: It's probably no. not
2: what's
0: <laughs> so, but the other point.
2: My other point yeah. is. The mere fact that she thought she had killed someone else mm-hmm. and that she didn't, for me, like, well, I can't trust anything you think. Mm. So it's all in your mind.
0: You're right. And that's what we're left with when with Beth, right? But what we see a lot of is, like, she thinks something happened. Then there are clues that maybe it didn't happen. Then there's verification that it didn't happen, right? And that's what we got here. And everything got cleared up. There's no blood on the towel. There's no body in the bathroom. We see Lily talking to her. But what is still there, despite the fact that this illusion is broken?
2: The broken glass.
0: The broken mirror. Yeah. That's still there. In her moment where the the fantasy was shattered and she was brought back to reality, the glass is still there. Which means the mirror actually was broken in reality. And she probably did stab herself. But... That said, we should probably say this is where the movie ends. She's lying on the mat. It goes to White and she talks about how it was perfect.
5: It was perfect. Mm
0: -hmm. What? Perfect. It was perfect. And that's all she wanted was perfection. Which is in conflict with with what Tomal was trying to get out of her is...
2: Not perfect.
0: Yeah, you'll never be transcendent if you're so focused on being perfect. Mm -hmm. But she's still at the end of this is still like, it was perfect, but in a different way.
2: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Not in the way I thought it would be.
0: Exactly. Yeah. But it fades to white, which is traditionally a signal that somebody dies.
5: Mm -mm.
0: No. However, however, (laughs) however... I don't think that the reality of the universe and the metaphor of the film have to go hand in hand. That if her killing herself is a metaphor for her killing that innocent part of herself yep. and becoming a, an actualized woman, yep, that's how I read it. Right, totally. That's that's actually that's what Natalie Portman believes. That that's no joke. That's what the movie is telling us. She's done. I don't think that is mutually exclusive with her killing herself literally in the movie. I think both of those things can be true.
3: Or one or the other could be.
0: Right. I'm I'm not really strongly feeling one way or the other. I just mean just because we know that there is absolutely a metaphor happening here doesn't mean that there isn't some actual literal stuff happening here.
4: Prove that a person can do it. <laughs> Prove
2: that
3: the human body can withstand I'm, that.
0: I'm sure there are news reports. do. Don't give me more homework.
3: ballet. <laughs> Prove it.
0: Hey, in 127
3: hours. So yeah. <laughs> he like hacked uh-huh. his limbs off and he survived. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm surprised no one's bringing up 50 Cent right now.
0: What? Oh, he was shot in the face? <laughs> and survived <laughs> to rap about it? <laughs> Anyway.
3: Human body is capable of many things. Uh
0: (laughs) So is there anything we haven't talked about?
3: Hmm. I guess when I think about the ending and how he calls her like my little princess. And I think about how her story parallels with like Swan Lake. It's like, oh, her realizing that, oh, she is just like another Beth to him is kind of like the ultimate heartbreak where like, you know, she's not really fulfilling any grand thing that is her own. She's just following the same Mm -hmm. thing. That Beth went through.
0: But if she wanted, if what she wanted was to be Beth, mm. like she wanted to attain what Beth attained, isn't being called Little Princess kind of a badge of honor?
3: But also kind of shatters the illusion of Beth that she could be so easily replaced. Totally. totally. Yeah.
2: Yes. However, in the scene where Mila Kunis is talking to her, and I would want to rewatch it, but. From what I remember, and the scene where Mila Kunis is talking to her about the fact that he's going to call her that any day now, Portman has a little bit of a smile on her face. A little bit of yeah. like a, mm, do you think so? Well, it's it's like, <laughs> no,
0: so? no. <laughs> <laughs> He'd never, that's just for Beth, isn't it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I think <laughs> there's a tiny bit of her that's like, maybe
5: I could be as good
0: as mm-hmm. Right, but like, she sees Beth as the... Aesthetic ideal, mm-hmm. right? And now everyone loves her and shows that they love her the way that they showed Beth, the way that she felt towards Beth. And now even Tomas is calling her his little princess. It's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. I mm-hmm. got it, and I got it by killing that innocent part of me.
5: Any other final thoughts?
0: I think that's it, right? No, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So, what, what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, like a ninety?
5: I
3: guess 87?
0: 85.
3: Oh, okay. Not as high as I thought.
0: Bracingly intense, passionate, and wildly melodramatic, Black Swan glides on Darren Aronofsky's bold direction and a bravura performance from Natalie Portman. And a very high Metacritic of 79, which is the average rating that critics have given it. No cinema score. Do you think that's overrated or underrated?
2: I think it's just very slightly underrated. I was going to give this an 88. 88. I think this is a really good movie. I think it's not a perfect blue. I already can't wait to see again. Black Swan, it'll be a while before I see it again. There's a lot in there that is very hard to watch. So, it's not as fun, you know? It's not as thrilling for
0: me. Well, yeah, I think it's not as much it's of a game. It's got that
2: Aronofsky depression <laughs> element. Oh. <laughs> 100%. And Aronofsky, I think, is an incredible director, made, like I said, I think Requiem for a Dream is one of the all-time best films ever made. That doesn't mean I'm, like, watching it every day. It's really hard to watch. It's really depressing. And if you don't have that watchability for me, you do lose some points. So that's why I'm giving it an 88.
0: Mm-hmm. You want to talk about the difference between seeing it this time and seeing it the first time?
2: I really liked it the first time I saw it. Yeah. And then I saw it after that, and I didn't like it so much after, and I think that's because I was picking up a lot of the style stuff that he was doing, and I was kind of like, Aronofsky, how about, how about, you don't think that highly of yourself, how about that? How about you take <laughs> you a step You and all down? your
0: scarves.
2: <laughs> I mean, we talked about that with Mother. He's a little, I mean, he, he's
0: pretentious. He's a little
2: pretentious. He's great, and I think he deserves to be pretentious. Kind of like who's that other director that I always say is pretentious but has every right to be? Oh. Wes Anderson. Wes I Anderson. love Wes Anderson. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Wes Anderson is also very pretentious, but he has every right to be. And I think Aronofsky is kind of like that, but Aronofsky kind of takes it in a more depressing tone. And I'm mm. like, I love you, Darren. I think this is awesome, but it's hard for me to watch it again. And when I saw it this middle time, I was focused on that style. I was like, stop being so pretentious, dick. And then I saw it again now and I'm like,
3: no, it's really
0: good. Yeah. Okay. So it reaffirmed your belief that it's a good movie.
3: Yes. Eileen, what do you think? After listening to you, I would give it, you know, a solid 90%. So I I actually think this is a slightly better movie than Perfect Blue in terms of like consistent style and character development and the focus on the individual characters, which is what I kind of knocked Perfect Blue down a little bit for. Um, And kind of going along with how this is like just the right level of pretentious Where it feels like it's serving the story and the characters and not just doing it for the sake of doing it. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And when you look at it intertwined, Mm -hmm. you see it that way. But I think when I saw it like the second time, I was just looking at that aspect of it and I was like, fuck you, Aronofsky. I think think you're better than everybody else.
0: (laughs) I think there's a little bit of Aronofsky in Tomal Roy. (laughs) And I think he knows that. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> I would give it, I'm really tempted just to give it a 92, like I gave Perfect Blue. Every time I think that Black Swan is a better movie, like you pointed out, mm. Arlene, I'm like, yeah, no, it, it really is. Maybe I'll give this a 95. I think about something I like about Perfect Blue better. Mm-mm. And especially how how much, it doesn't lean on it like a crutch, but there is a lot about Black Swan that comes from Perfect Blue,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and Aronofsky we didn't talk that much about we the didn't. Combination. But I mean, the
0: Aronofsky see, would think. tell you that this is not a remake of Perfect Blue,
2: and it's not. He
0: didn't really think about it that much when making it, but there's a lot of influence here that might be subconscious. Oh yeah, Most and definitely. so at <sighs> I think I'm going to have to give it a 92 because of that back and forth. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would seat these movies in exactly the same place. they're very good
2: watchability watchability man i don't know there's a watchability
0: to black swan there's a beauty in it that's different It's beautiful
2: it's It's a beautiful movie i like movies about ballet Uh i know you hate suspiria i could just watch the the dance scenes for Uh forever i could watch these dance scenes for forever but like the whole movie as an overall thing i i need some time
3: before Mm. i watched it that's how i feel about perfect blue Or I'm just like, I don't know how many times I could rewatch that
0: movie. There's some realism to Perfect Blue that makes the the insanity of it a little bit jarring and, I guess, disturbing. Maybe a little bit more than this, which is more fanciful.
5: I think it also
2: has to do with the fact that Perfect Blue has characters you love to hate. Mm. And you don't feel that way about Black Swan.
0: There's, I think there's almost a more realistic, relatable cast. So there's more in Perfect of a Blue.
2: tragedy to Black Swan. Like yeah. this mother is an mm-hmm. awful human being, mm-hmm. but she still does love her daughter, and that mm-hmm. is hard to handle. As opposed to ah, creeper, I I love to hate you, and I love to like watch how creepy you are. Yeah. You know what I
0: mean? I mean, yeah. So, but I but I think that's there are more complex characters in Black Swan because Perfect Blue has. Oh, here's a here's an obsessive fan, murderous villain character. He's insane. But and those people and here's, exist. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. That's not I'm not saying they don't exist. <laughs> and then there's the manager who's secretly insane and wants to kill her, right? And it's all dramatic and it's all super high stakes that you'd only see in a movie. But in Black Swan, even though it is more fanciful, she turns literally into a bird at multiple <laughs> times in this movie. But the villains are an overprotective repressive mother and a director that doesn't care about her emotional well-being in order to get a better performance out of her those are the villains in this movie and so it's not as theatrical despite the fact that the visually it is it's i think they they trade punches a lot mm. and that's why i think i put them right at the right at the same level
3: i think for Black Swan, I don't even consider them villains or antagonists. It's really like herself is the one who is standing in her way, whereas yeah. you know mm-hmm. everyone is kind of pushing her, as opposed to Perfect Blue, where there are genuinely bad antagonists yes. out to get her, and it's fueling her insanity. But Nina is the, her
0: is antagonist for herself. Right. That makes it, I think, more interesting from the thriller standpoint. But from the psychological standpoint, I think it makes it a little less interesting. Mm-mm. You know, when there's, there isn't subtle villainy, there isn't her being her own villain.
2: But I do want to point something out. Because she is her own villain in Perfect Blue.
0: Mm-hmm. To an extent,
2: yeah. There are times when there's no one else there. It's just her. She's talking to herself, Mm-mm. putting herself down. And my question is, even if Rumi wasn't crazy and she didn't have some stalker, What would she have done to herself? How far would she have torn herself down if she didn't have that actual physical confrontation with Mm -hmm. Rumi?
0: Yeah, but I don't think we need to ask that question with, with, with Black Swan because we see it.
2: But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that because she had these outside conflicts that she had to deal with, that would, meant that she was able to deal with her inner turmoil mm-hmm. um, a lot easier. Because it was like, oh, I can actually take out this confrontation right. on
0: you. But you think that's more interesting?
2: No, I'm asking if she hadn't had Rumi or the, the stalker, would she have eventually torn herself down and would she have had a breakdown? Like Nina does in Black
3: Swan.
0: I think we can imagine it. I don't think we could say for certain one way or the other.
3: Yeah. So I feel like a lot of her paranoia building throughout the the movie is also like knowing that Mima's room exists. And right.
0: It's fed by the behaviors of these villains. Yeah.
3: Although in general, that's just kind of like a stand in for like the media culture that they live in. It is because she she we didn't really talk about this, but she goes through interviews where she justifies her decisions when she doesn't really like feel as she reveals that she should have done that rape Mm -hmm. scene, but, like, in the interview, she's like, oh, no, this is, like, what I wanted to do. And obviously it's kind of a lie or she's making herself believe that to appease, like, you know, her fans and, like, the public and everything. Yeah.
0: And I think Perfect Blue wins points in realism in that regard, Mm. you know? I think that's entirely believable, and I think that's relatable. I think a lot of people can relate to that. But again, this is also the movie with the straight-up murderous villains. So, like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I, I don't know. Both. <laughs> Yeah, uh huh. You got nice. your peanut butter and my chocolate. <laughs> anyway, let's
2: wrap it up. Yes. Okay. I'm so, sure. Chris <laughs> upstairs is ready to go home.
4: <laughs>
0: I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty much dying right now. Um, so that is 2010's Black Swan ending. Our what did you call it?
2: Fractured identity.
0: Fractured identity week. Perfect Blue from 1997 and Black Swan from 2010. What are we watching next week?
2: You're going to be excited. All right. Next week is half of a recommendation and half of my choice with that recommendation. Uh, my choice is Idle Hands.
5: Ooh, I'm
2: Leatherface! Which I'm really excited for, apparently Chris is, but this is what's going to make you really happy, Chris. Peter... Uh, recommended that we watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Fucking
0: finally! <laughs> so there you go. God, okay, so horror comedies.
2: Yes, horror comedies where God. you think somebody's evil, but they're not really. Evil.
0: Sh- Kelsey has been so uninterested in seeing that movie <laughs> since it came out. And I've seen it, and I really enjoyed it.
3: Oh, you've seen it? I yes. didn't know you had seen it. No,
0: I've seen it. Why
3: would he not? I've seen it, if so excited
0: about it. <laughs> Well, that happens sometimes. If she doesn't want to see it, I just never get around to watching it. So, no, I've actually seen this one, and I'm like, come on, at least see it, because I want to watch it again. So, I'm Do really excited. you think I'm going to like it? I don't think it's as bad as you think it is.
2: Okay. <laughs> I think you
0: have this image of what it is in your head. I think it's a surprisingly good movie.
2: Have you seen either of these films? No. You should see Idle Hands, it's fucking hilarious. Uh,
0: Idle Hands was formative for me. <laughs> Jessica Alba <laughs> in, oh. in that angel outfit.
2: Yeah, well we had Devin Sawa on our end. Okay. <laughs> Did uh, yeah.
0: You like Devin Sawa? Did you hear what you just said?
2: <laughs> you know who Devin Sawa is? I don't know who that is.
0: He's the he's Casper. That's what got him really popular.
2: Did you see the first final destination?
3: No. Right, but that's
0: after <laughs> Casper.
3: You've never seen the original Final Destination. You no, know, I've probably seen like bits and pieces of it a long ago. But remember, I'm not a horror movie fan. Yeah. Do know. you do you
0: remember the Casper movie from the 90s? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. In that movie, he gets turned into the human form of himself. That's the very. End. And it's a young Devon Sawa, and all the girls in my school <laughs> just die <laughs> over this, and they didn't know how to pronounce his name because it was only ever written. <laughs> Devon Salah or whatever. (laughs) And then he was in these other movies, including SLC Punk. Yes. And yeah, like you say, Final Destination and Idle Hands, which we're going to be watching next week. (laughs) Yes. I think everyone my age loved Idle Hands. Yes. It was a very funny movie. Okay, good. Awesome. Really excited. We're going to get some good movies that we enjoy (laughs) like three weeks in a row now. Yes. Awesome. I'm really excited about that. Until then, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter at PodCemetery. Subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice. Write a five-star written review. Uh, That's very helpful. Uh, Share us with your friends. That's even more helpful, and even more helpful than that, is listening in the GD first place. We love each and every one of you. Eileen, do you have anything to share with our listeners before we go?
3: Oh, thank you for having me on. I... This has been a really long process, but uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable to get to talk about both of these movies with you guys. So thank you again. Thank you you for for listening. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Eileen. Until next week, I've been Chris.
3: I've been Kelsey. And this is (laughs) Eileen.
0: And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Eileen, any last words? Excuse me. Who are you? we normally introduce guests? <laughs> and the Japanese version starring Junko Uau. Wow e- e- Wow, Uwau. Sorry, I can do it. Sorry. Junko Uwao.
3: Okay. So start the movie, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you talk about anime, you kind of have to go into like your history of it too. Yeah.
0: In Uyasha, there's like a dog boy and he has a <laughs> necklace. That means that... Kagome can control whatever he does by telling him. Anyway, (laughs) and there's a there's a gem and it's shards and yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the movie. Yes,
2: tiny dancer in my hand. I'm a terrible singer. We'll replace that with the actual
0: song. (laughs) Because the Mima's room, Mimi, Mimi, Mar (laughs) Mimo. Because it's four in the afternoon. Uh, with additional screenplay, with additional book, we gonna bring that conversation to a screeching halt. Some of us don't have to.
2: Yeah. Mm-mm. She says, did you suck his cock? That's what and it is. And she goes, yeah. not all of us have to. Yeah. So, but yeah, she throws away a bunch of her stuffed animals, which you shouldn't do, people. If you want to get rid of your stuffed animals, give them to goodwill. Children would love to have those. And you're just throwing
3: it away.
0: Right now, don't do that, though.
3: <laughs> Think about the germs. That's right. Back to you
0: They're also not <laughs> taking donations right now, so it doesn't matter. Um. Anyway. Again, bringing the entire conversation <laughs> to a screeching halt. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> no, 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 we make a really good point. Uh, exactly. I was like, I have nothing else to add. <laughs>
0: what is she looking up? She's going to the IMDb quotes page for one yeah. of the two movies that we watched. <laughs> She always forgets to do this. Oh, yeah. God damn, my back is good. I heard it like an hour or two before you got oh, started. Oh, really? Yeah. What were you doing? Uh-huh. Uh, like nothing. Oh. I, I, I was putting a lid on a trash can. Oh. i just like bending over like this and then just all of a sudden shooting pain. I'm like, oh, no. I threw my back out. Oh, Jesus, Doing nothing. <laughs> so annoying.
3: Excuse me. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to steal your thunder. Uh,
2: oh no, it's fine. Uh, I just I sometimes have a quote I want, and then if I don't, I forget to. And
0: quote. she has to look through it, and it, it she'll be like, I don't know about this one. Uh, and I'm like, we got to do something. Come uh, on. Uh, She's like, fine.
4: Uh, okay. Uh, All
0: right. Uh,